0: Alright, today is Monday, September 25th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, let's see, We oh man, it's like the day I actually come with some topics and then everyone wants to jump in and like talk a whole spiel. So anyways, we wade through it. Um, good stuff is done today. <laughs> so so um, if people want to know why God doesn't just wipe out all the evil and bad stuff in the world, it's because you'd have to go to. And, of course, the one time I want to make this great Christian point, there's like an atheist that's like, I disagree. Well, we get it. Of course you disagree. You shouldn't, but you do. Anyway, so he reigns in my parade a little bit. All right, so then we talk about... Uh, what do we talk about? The Palm Springs AIDS Memorial um, sculpture that's proposed. <laughs> so we talk about that. And then Marina Abramovich... How she's uh, recommended as the new Ukrainian ambassador because, you know, art person, ambassador. Sure, that makes sense. Why not? Um, Focusing with like a childhood education. Yeah. So anyway, we talk a little bit about that and where, you know, Satan and art could conflict with theology. Surprisingly for some people, not very much at all. They're like, No, no, it's totally fine. We respect it. I'm like like respect it isn't like you would respect Satan like as a as a lion that's like formidable and seeking who he can devour, or respect it like giving him out high fives. Like I I don't know. Um It's pretty passionate on that. Uh man, people if people defended Jesus as much as they defend art, it would really have something. Um Then what about disrespect in marriage and men who are not allowed for whatever reason to assume that uh, biblical role of the spiritual head of the household, um, et cetera, et cetera, things like that. So we talk about and then there is one more thing we talk about, and I forget what it was. Um, actually, that, that topic, that turned in quite a different way. So I think it was an offshoot of that. So we talk about that, and then we find out that uh, a former atheist we used to talk to a lot, like years and years ago, apparently they are a Christian now. So God is working. Um even though they believe in a flat earth, whatever, not a big deal. So enjoy this podcast, share these links. Uh, Check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, coffee cup, and support this podcast, sharing the gospel with people on the internet. So until next time, have an awesome day. Bye. Thank you for that. Chris is like shooting off articles like crazy. And I actually have a lot of stuff I wanted to, I wanted to bring up today. So, Man. Chris, if you're there, oh, I've, I've got I'm some stuff for you. Just
1: and about I... <clears throat> to hop in the shower. Is this something you can monologue for about ten minutes?
0: <laughs> yes, and I do have some art stuff, so I, I need Steph to be here because I, I have some art stuff for you, uh, for you nerds that I want to present. But um, anyway, so I, I was in church yesterday though, and just one thing. I think I've heard it like once before, but it's a really good point. And you know, there's always good points. So like, whenever you're in a in a discussion or whatever, and someone's like, "Oh, I just won an argument. What an argument!" And, like ten minutes later, you'll find something. You're like, "Oh, I should have said that. I would have won the argument." And then, you know, so it goes down like it would never be ending because someone's always going to uncover another Bible verse, another spiritual truth, another, you know, common sense point, another scientific fact um, that's always going to like one up that argument and claim the day. But the fact that it's never going to end means, you know, people need to take a take a breath and not like be so quick to take victory laps around your opponent, because if it was a different opponent or they would have had 10 more minutes to like dig something up, you would have been the one they're taking a victory lap around. So, you know. Call to a little humility, like CEO was saying, and be, be a little humble. Um. Anyway, <clears throat> so one point that I don't bring up near enough because I, I only think I remember hearing it like once ever is, you know, around the problem of evil. When people are like, well, why can't God make a best possible world? Why can't God get rid of all the evil? Because then you'd be gone too. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, why ha- why is that not brought up? Like, every single time someone talks about why couldn't God you know take away all the evil? Because you'd also be gone. I'd be gone. You'd be gone. Everyone would be gone. That that's why. Well, no, no. I just mean the, the really bad people, like like the murderers or you know, the the really bad. Great. <clears throat> so on a, a scale, at what point, you know, because if, if lying is now the worst evil, well now it's like, well, now I you know, all the murder's gone, all the, you know, famine and poverty and death is gone. Now we just have lying. Well, now lying is the worst sin. Let's get rid of lying. That's evil. I don't want to be lied to. Great. So you can like infinitely dial that back until you get caught up which would probably be way before lying anyways. But I thought that's a good point. Like the reason God doesn't get rid of all the evil is because he'd have to get rid of you. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. Anyone have a thought on that? Uh, I mean, it's I do. self-explanatory, but yeah, go ahead.
2: Um, I would uh, humbly disagree with you. Um, I think um, it would be remarkably, I, I can imagine a world that it would be totally possible to have no evil. Um, And I can use, I'll use an example of like a recent video game that came out. Uh, There's a video game that came out called Palea, where like you can't kill anybody. You can't like hurt anybody. You can only like add to people and be nice to people and collaborate with people. And it's just like not, physically possible in that video game to, like, hurt someone uh, or to lie to someone, you know, like the options of what you can, like, respond to video game characters are like, like, it's, 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 it's totally possible for someone to create, at least hypothetically, a video game that only allows people the options of moral actions without the immoral possibility uh and to live it would be totally possible to create this video game and therefore because it's possible to create this video game it'd be totally possible if you were god to create a full reality um with only moral choices
0: sure i mean i guess i would expect disagreement from the other side um but then there's like well is it not possible like can god not do it i think he could I think he doesn't for whatever reason, not being possible, not being one of them. And then everyone's like, well, then God is evil. Um, also, why simultaneously, you know, having to having a nuance while well, the concept of God is evil because they also totally lack a belief in a God. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess I I guess I see it from that angle. But still that. that
2: yeah, I'm not necessarily that saying that doesn't
0: take into it. that yeah, that doesn't take into account the plethora of other reasons that could be. So like, sure. I, I mean, one of them being like, you know, how, how much stuff would that break? That's like the, the extreme butterfly effect, right? Like if God just totally made everything, got rid of all the evil, then how much stuff does that break? For one, there would be no, no one trying to get to heaven. So does that mean that if heaven is a matter of fact, that's the truth when we die? Um, does that mean we have to keep complaining about God so he makes us now never die? Um, I don't know. What if billions of years now the sun red dwarfs and kills us all? Now are we not dying, but we're burning because the sun's exploding like, you, I mean, it just seems like a few clicks down the road, people can see how, like, fixing one, quote, fixing one thing could break a whole bunch of other stuff in a way that may never be fixable. So does that mean God's limited and God's like, oh, no, I can't solve this problem? Or God's like, hey, this is the way it's going to be. So fall in line. In 100 years, you're all going to be dead. And then you have eternity with me. So –
1: Yeah, I I mean, Stephen, I think God has created this world. It's heaven, right? But from God's infinite wisdom, he believes it is better for us to experience a world that we're in. And maybe that, you know, prepares us for heaven. We appreciate it more. So, you know, that world you're talking about, Stephen, does exist. It just happens to be that from a Christian perspective, we're in this world first to learn some lessons or whatever you think. Can I also add
3: that um, I think <clears throat> creating a being that is only capable of choosing—I I guess you, it, it depends on when when when, when you're figuring out this this video game sort of coding, I guess—and you're applying it to the real world. Well, I guess what's my what's my what's my point? My point is that in the actual real world, you're not just... And I mean, God does do this. He does control how humans are designed, and he does control the options available to us. So, I guess you'd say he does... Well, he obviously is going to have that level of control and sovereignty and superiority. Um, I guess the point being that you would still end up with very limited... Number one, very limited variation in people. I think that's going to be something that maybe ends up broken, Nate. Um That if we are in some real sense, a product or derivative of the things we experience, but we all experience the same thing because we're all choosing between the same, you know, maybe two or three choices that would be moral or the same choice that would be moral in a situation. The one thing that's definitely going to be eliminated is the nuance and the variation between one person and the next. I think that's something that'll be severely degraded. Also in terms of, um, creating beings who will only ever choose that which is moral, um, I think you'd have to create a perfect being. And in order to create a perfect, you can't really create a perfect being because a perfect being by definition is uncreated, right? Which is one of the arguments that we have for God. God is necessarily uncreated because if he's perfect in every sense of the word, he'd have to be infinite and infinite things don't come into being. So, if God is going to create anything, it's going to be imperfect because he's the only thing that is perfect. And when he creates this imperfect thing, this imperfect thing is not capable of choosing that which is moral every single time.
0: That's um, a good point. That's like, that's like, yeah. you know, putting, that's like, you know, <clears throat> can we add that to the list of one more thing, one more thing God can't do? Because, like, God can't create a perfect being because a perfect being can't be created. So, if God were able to, you know, yeah, like, could God create another God like God? Well, well, I mean, that would, I mean, if someone wants to say logically contradictive, that would be the place, right? Because perfect being, it would have to be divine. And yeah, so, I mean, that's like, that gets into like a weird loop. But <clears throat> Marquis, oh, oh, and on also like the Bible talks so much though about the heart of man. So it's like, do we, you know, in God's paradigm, the way God looks at his creation, would... God want a bunch of bloodthirsty monsters who are just restrained and unable to do evil or like the Bible, like we're told, like, you know, God looks at the heart and God wants people to act on their, you know, to act in accordance with their heart, you know, either a heart of stone or a heart of flesh. So what's the point of guide rails? Like what's, what would be the point? That's like a different way of of looking at that whole scenario um, where instead of, you know, people say, well, why doesn't the Bible outlaw this? Or why doesn't, why doesn't the Bible command this? Like, so much of it is, you know, looking at the heart. Like, you know, you don't need to tell someone um, slavery, for example, is wrong. Like, in the New Testament, they're like, well, why isn't it, like, more expressly outlawed or forbidden? Like, because you don't need that. Like, you're supposed to automatically be like, oh, my heart doesn't suck. Yeah, I know it's wrong. I don't want to own slaves. Like, if you need someone to tell you 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 shouldn't own slaves, that's already a problem. So, I I think it's like a different different perspective. So, anyway, I would say, do we— can I finish? <laughs> I'm
4: sorry,
0: my, my <laughs> so apologies. I would I... say, do we want bloodthirsty monsters restrained where they cannot do evil? Or do we want people to come to the conclusion all on their own that they should not do evil things? And then the evil, like, you know, Revelation 22, what, six or eight or something like that says, you know, let the righteous continue to be righteous. Let the evil continue to be evil. So God does not address, like, why he allows it necessarily. He just says, keep on going. Keep doing it. So if you're evil, evil's going to evil. Keep doing it. And then the judgment. So, uh, yeah, Edwin, what's up?
5: Yeah, where's this idea that God can't? God absolutely can create things that don't do evil. There are angels that have never sinned that He created, and they will never sin. Christians in their. Glorified bodies, In our glorified bodies in eternity, we will never sin. We will always choose to do good. I, I, am I misunderstanding? The angels what? have sinned, though, edwin Right? But but no, hold all... on, hold on. No, there are angels that have never. I know there are angels that fell into sin. There are No, hang on, wait,
1: that...
0: Edwin, We're we're on a wrong track. No, okay. I I don't know why you sound frustrated, but it's making me a little frustrated. All right, like, sorry. We're just off on a we're just off on a wrong thing. So yes, God has. Well, first of all, it wasn't. Can he create things that don't sin? That, that wasn't the question. It's can God make a, a perfect being essentially God? So can God make another God exactly like him? Not can God make someone that won't sin? So I, I think you were just starting off on the wrong playing field. Okay. So, so now that that's addressed, like we're, we're not saying like, yeah, because God created things that will never sin. There will be a created being, an angel of some kind that will like maybe like Michael or Gabriel or someone that will like legit never sin. But they're not sinning because God forces them not to sin. They're sinning because they just happen to not sin. But again, the whole category we were talking about is can God basically create God? And we would say no because God can't be created. Anyway, so hope that helps. Does that help?
5: Okay. No. Thank. Thanks for clarifying. Sorry for interrupting. I just. Uh, yeah. Sorry. But yeah. Do you believe Nate that the main reason God allowed sin, He created a world that there is evil, is to glorify Himself? He's concerned mainly with himself, glorifying himself. Do you believe that? His justice, he could display his attributes of justice and wrath, showing off who he is to creation. Is God entitled to do that? Do you believe that? Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, depending how far we go down that road, sure. Because, I mean, you know, people say, well, God wants evil. Well, I mean, is it he wants or it's it's a contrast? Like, can you imagine the arguments if people are like, oh, this is just so good or this is so good or then you're going to call good things being good because you have no metric of bad? So, I mean, at a certain point, um, people will turn on legitimately good things because they have no concept of bad. So it's not like, well, you know, he creates bad just for fun. It's like maybe it's to show a contrast. It's like, you know, you don't know what hate is without love. You don't know what love is without hate. So, you know, what, what, what's like some of the secular things like, you know, the that light shines brighter in the dark or something like that? Can I also- so you know, I, I don't have a problem with any of those things. Yes, yeah, Stephen
2: uh i i just wanted a chance to respond um the i i i would like to humbly uh disagree with a lot of this like one i i think we have to acknowledge that humans are fallible right we're not in the grand scheme of things we're not very smart right so even if we can't comprehend um the possibility of of like God being able to create um, quote unquote perfect beings, which by the way, perfect is a judgment, right? So like God can is perfectly capable of creating what he would consider perfect in whatever that means to him, right? And then because he thinks it's perfect, it is perfect, right? Just like, and he can create the definition sure. of what perfect means and then he can just do it <laughs> and then that's it. Like it is perfect because he says it is right. It, like, but, but regardless of that, Omni, like this idea of, of this guy being, uh, infinitely intelligent, it's, it's totally possible that he can create, um, a perfect world. And we're just not capable of understanding how that would be done. Totally, totally doable. Right. Especially under the condition that this guy is infinitely intelligent. Uh, omnipresent, timeless, um, cannot be created or destroyed, and, and master of all reality forever. Right? Totally possible. He creates all the rules, and if, and if somebody's like, "Oh no," if he did that, it would break some rules. It, that doesn't matter. <laughs> He's he creates all of the rules. He can change all the rules. He like according to the rule set of he is the rule master. Like totally doable. Just like he, that, he can just change the rules to make it so that whatever new reality is totally possible. Right.
0: Sure. I, I mean, I would agree with that. And don't go anywhere, Aaron and Nick, I want to come to you guys too. And, and welcome Aaron. I, I actually have a question. I, I, for another topic I wanted to ask to Marquise and uh, Aaron, it would be great for you. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, and we'll get to that in just a second, but yeah, so I agree. You know, we're, we're not as smart as far to that end. Um, I agree with you. You know, I was just throwing out a, a four instance, which I think is, is fine. Um, but I mean, I would agree with what you said more that, you know, God is smarter than us. God, I mean, you know, I, I guess you're just imagining the concept of God if you don't believe one or I, I actually don't know where you stand. But, you know, for me, I do believe in a God that's infinitely smarter than us. And as such, yeah, it's not a question of he can't figure out how to do something. It's that he doesn't do something for different reasons. And those different reasons are where I agree with you that we are not as smart as this being. So we should take a big, uh, you know, a, a big breath of withholding our judgment um because we don't know so it's like well your god is either impotent uh or um unable or can't figure stuff out and we like go negative instead of even trying to consider like a positive like oh maybe it's for this reason maybe it's for this reason so you know it's in that area that we don't know stuff and we are not as smart as this creating you know creator of the universe and everything um that i think it would do well for people to humble themselves and be like you know what if your god exists then yes, I'm sure he's got his reasons that don't make him incompetent or evil. Um, But so few people are willing to do that. Um, But uh, Nick, uh, would you like to say anything on this topic real fast, and then we'll move to
6: the other thing. What Stephen said, and I agree with Apostle, he said it in the chat, God changing the rules. I don't think God can just magically change his motivations for doing things. I think if if his motivation is for his glory— then he can't magically change it and say, "Okay, I'm going to do it for a different reason." Or if if he's you know has certain things in his character, he cannot violate his nature to do things differently. He can't he can't make a world in a, in a you know in a certain way if it somehow violates his character. So he can't just make up rules and change rules. He said, you know, God can make a being and he can call it perfect, and it would be perfect. No, that's that's not true. God cannot just make something sinful and call it perfect. That would be a violation of his character. He's going to call things according to what they are. Adam and Eve, in one sense, I guess they were not, I don't know if I'd call them perfect, maybe. They were sinless, but they were able to sin. So, he made things good, but they were able to fall, able to sin. Uh, but their initial state was, I guess in one sense, perfect and sinless. Did God make Jesus? Did God make nope. Jesus? uh the man, no. well, the, the physical body, I would mm-hmm. say. But, but, but that's not, not who not,
7: Jesus
6: is. Yeah, not the God second not person. not make
7: the... Jesus. Jesus already existed before he came to earth.
6: Not, not the second person of the Trinity. I agree with that. But I'm talking about the... Let me, let me straighten it up. The second person of the
1: Trinity is pre-existent, has existed always because he is the second person of the Trinity. The exactly. incarnation... The incarnation is contingent the second person of the trinity is necessary so in theology we say that jesus is both necessary and contingent
7: right so he wasn't created he already existed because he is god all things were made through him and nothing that was made was made and so um you know we can go to several uh, verses showing that he's a creator so there's no way that he could be made
0: does that does that help stephen i think we may have had some misunderstanding on like the person Jesus, but does that clarify or reset where uh, you were going with mm, that?
2: Not re I mean, I think, I think we can just agree to disagree on it. It's well, I mean, fine. for,
0: well, I mean, we can disagree, but I mean, you know, like the, the proper Christian understanding is no, God didn't create Jesus because like, you know, Jesus, the, the flesh and bones. Sure. But that's not what we're talking about. Like, I, I, okay, so you, you think his Jesus. spirit, what is, what
2: is the <clears throat> well, evidence wait. that Jesus Existed wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Before wait, Jesus. Hang, wait, wait, hang on. I'm, I'm going to finish my thought. So I, I assume you were, you were thinking like, you know, in Christianity, we think Jesus is perfect and sinless. And you were thinking like, you know, God created him somehow because he was like a, a perfect prophet or something like that for your argument. Um, I, I, I just thought, I assume that was where you were kind of getting that yeah, from. more and, or less. Okay, yeah. and, right. And, and that would, so in Christianity, like 101, that's just incorrect. So Jesus is God. So like, you know, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is God. So the fact that, you know, the name Jesus wasn't known to like 2,000 years ago when he showed up as a person, that's inconsequential because that being Jesus has always existed forever throughout time because that Jesus is God. Um, so that that would clarify. So God, in, that, in the sense you ask, no, God did not create the perfect being Jesus who never sinned. The perfect being Jesus who never sinned is God.
2: So during the time where Jesus—just so I understand. During the time where Jesus— was on earth, there was no God in the sky. No, no, no
3: that's not what we're saying.
7: Um,
2: okay, sure, uh, can, I, yeah, can Aaron, I give
7: a verse?
0: Yeah, give
3: a verse, a verse and for
7: then, this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know.
0: yeah, give, give so, a verse and then hang on. I'm trying, I'm trying to set some guidelines because I really want to talk to Aaron. there, like, was there a God the in the
2: sky and on the ground or, or yes, what? yes,
0: yes, but Aaron, um, give your verse and then Chris, if you could just like give us a general overview because I think there's lots of like spiderwebs unraveling. So just give like the most like bare bones, basic theology to encompass all of this. Um, so we can all get on the same page, but yeah, go ahead, Aaron, please.
7: So, so when Jesus came to earth, right, because he was already in eternity, if you go into several, you have to go into several scriptures to understand that the Godhead is one God and three persons, Yahweh, the father, Yahweh, the Son, Yahweh, the Holy Spirit, right? In the original uh, Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was called the Spirit of God, Ruach Elohim, right? And you can see that right in the beginning of Genesis, Ruach Elohim is the Hebrew or Spirit of God. So when talking in Matthew, in the New Testament, the original uh, is in Greek, and you'll see that the spirit of God is Agios Numa, and it says here in Matthew one eighteen, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. his mother Mary was pledged in marriage to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And that original there is Agios Numa. So the Holy each one of the 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 each one of the persons of, of God, because there's three persons, one God has different, uh, functions. But the thing that you can see here is through the Holy spirit, but it's not even saying that, um, the, the Holy spirit made the, through the Holy spirit, there's the body of Jesus right there, but that doesn't mean that Jesus stopped being God just because he came to earth. He, he, you'd have to go to Philippians to understand the rest of that, but I just want to throw that in there. I don't think uh, that answers
0: okay, Chris, the question. Well, we may, we may not. I know Chris has to go soon. Um, oh, okay. But, but, okay, yes. Yeah, so there was a God in the sky, right? So like, you, you just open, open the book to John. Like when Jesus is baptized, Jesus' physical body is in the water. The Holy Spirit is descending like a dove from the sky, and the voice of the Father is calling out, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Um, so, yes, you see the representation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three in different locales at the same time, yet all three being God. Um, Chris— do you just want to wrap this up real quick with like a very general, like basic, basic 101 on one understanding um, to get us all in the same playing field? And then I know you have to go soon, but I, I so, I mean, I, I had another topic first, but I, I have an art topic for you and Steph, you nerds um, that I'll go ahead and ask, but go ahead and get us on the same playing field as this uh, before you have to go.
1: So on the explanation
0: just like why, why we think, you know, like everything we're talking about, like, you know, Jesus is, is not created because he is God, like you know, like 101 stuff just from All the right. Christian paradigm.
1: So again, from the Christian paradigm, we refer to Jesus as the incarnation, right? So when we say Jesus is both necessary and contingent, that means that he is the second person of the Trinity who took on an additional human nature. So Stephen, what this means is that the eternal God, the second person of the Trinity, took on a human nature and was born into the world as Aaron just read. And so when we see this, this is a unique event in history where the eternal God takes on that human flesh. We call him and he called himself Jesus.
2: Does that make sense? Hmm. Not Sort of i I understand what you guys I mean, that's are saying. The,
1: that's the Christian teaching I mean like if you you can disagree with it, but you know the where where was Jesus, teaches is that. where was Jesus
2: before he was born
1: so he was he was the second person he is the second person of the Trinity he isn't anywhere, he is omnipresent, he is omniscient, he has all the omni properties, so Jesus is never where,
2: but while he was alive, he was where right.
1: Well, in one sense, his human nature was there, but then there's another theological doctrine called the extra Calvinisticum, which talks about the omnipresence of Christ. So that, but while he was on earth, he was both um, what we call the, uh, uh, oh my goodness, I forgot the name of it. Anyway, that the immediate, sorry, the immediate presence was in the body of Jesus Mm -hmm. And then you have the omnipresence, which is everywhere.
2: So was Jesus talked about before Jesus, like in the Old Testament or in the Talmud or in like, yes, where, where was Jesus referred to in, in like before Jesus?
1: Yeah. So you've got one of Genesis, right? You have the angel of the Lord. You got page one of Genesis. You've got Exodus three, four. I mean, I mean, there's myriad and many mentions of jesus as the second person of the trinity you got isaiah 6 where you see uh, jesus glorified so you know there's all of these things that in the old testament that point to jesus now we have progressive revelation so in the new testament we are told all of these things and we understand all of these appearances of jesus in the old testament so in the book of jude it talks about how jesus was the one who led the jews out of captivity right so this is like an actual teaching in first century christianity that jesus was the pillar of fire and he was the cloud he was the burning bush this is this is these references
2: why don't jews worship jesus if jesus because they
1: do not believe jesus is the messiah they say that he was not raised from the dead everything comes back to the truth of the resurrection of christ if you're truly interested in the truth or falsity of christianity and even the apostle paul says this in first corinthians 15 that basically if jesus never rose from the dead then christianity is completely false however if jesus did raise from the dead now we're left with a whole bunch of stuff right that we have to explain so really the crux of the matter is not philosophy or who jesus you know is before you know his incarnation it's really did jesus raise from the dead and if he did what do we do with that information
2: i i think an even more basic question is and this is the question i struggle with the most is how do i know that any religious text is the word of god like what is the what is the the litmus test of I have this text and some people are telling me that it's the word of God. How do I know, right?
4: For me, it's the impossibility so. of the thing.
2: Like, well, there are, it is. There are a ton of there are a ton of books that that claim impossible things. Right? No,
4: not the supernatural claims. It's the fact that it is completely anomalous that this document exists in human history.
2: Have you read the Quran, so. Steph?
4: Okay, yes, but tell me, who was the Quran written by and when?
2: Uh, it was written... It was scribed by... I think it was...
4: It's not that important. You're about okay. to give me one name and one time. And then if we ask who was the Bible written by and by and when... We get this long list of people across cultures and time periods and languages and upbringings and backgrounds. And somehow, unlike any other series of documents in human history, this mm-hmm. thing comes together as one cohesive thing. Now, if we study ancient history, the probability of documents coming together across so many different cultures and mm-hmm. then agreeing with each other and like amassing into this single Uniform document and then culminating in the person in the hundred years after uh, You know christ died this Mm -hmm. is this is like a statistical there is something Outside of humanity at play So if we're going to go back to the bare basic bones of what makes the documents More interesting than the Vedas or the Quran or other ancient writings. Mm -hmm. It's the statistical impossibility of its existence
2: Okay so, but like, let's like one, let's dive in on, on a uh, couple things there.
0: Well, uh, hang on. I, I mean, if you can be very short, like I, I don't, I don't really want to dive in. Like I know Chris has to leave and there's a lot of stuff I want to get to, but the okay. point is like, if you compare all the religious texts, like my answer is do what it says. So like, if, if you follow the Quran and do what it says, you're going to do lots of praying and you're going to do lots of rituals and you're not going to know whether or not this God is real because it's never going to interact with you until the great scales at the end of your time are weighed. Um, If you talk about the Bhagavad Gita or whatever, um, whatever they say, there's no no direct communication with the deity. For Christianity, you know, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will live live with you and guide you and lead you into all truth and righteousness. You'll get led into this, like things will start making sense. You will have God himself living with you. So he doesn't say to do lots of rituals. He doesn't say to just do lots of other stuff that you can never have any, any resonance with. He says directly to humble yourself and pray and seek him. So instead of watching more YouTube videos or looking at more imams or looking at more pastors or bowing and kneeling, you pray directly to our God. And when I did this and when so many other Christians did this, um, that's when, for me at least, there was this spiritual realization. It wasn't like goosebumps or warm fuzzies or like a rock concert. It was nothing like that. That's insulting. Um, But it was just like some other sense opened, and it's just like I know this is true. Like crazy stuff, huh? Like I did what it said. I, I, I didn't like watch more debates. I didn't watch more stuff about archaeology. I, I actually prayed to the Jesus who says, pray to him, ask him to save you, forgive you, make you born again, give you eternal life, and you will have it. And it was like as soon as I did that, I didn't have some sense that, oh, I just did what a book said, and now I guess I'm good because the book says it. It's like there really was something in a spiritual level, which if if you're someone who denies the spiritual existence, it's really difficult to explain but you know, if you're like most people on planet Earth, even if they're not Christians, they have an idea of like the spiritual world, or they'll like have some notion of it. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it was. So um, that's what I'd say. That's the leg up Christianity has: is you don't need anyone else. You pray directly to our God, and there is a reciproc reciproc reciprocity. Um, anyways, that, that's what I would say. But I mean, if you want to give like a, another. Final thought, but, I mean, I don't want to, like, get back I'll into... I'll be super short. I want it.
8: Steven, before you go, um, before I, like... Again, I wanted to... I, rest... can, I, can I ask a question? No, hang on. Wait, second, Steven, want... wait, wait, wait. Well,
0: wait. Ste- stopping... Steven was gonna say... Uh, hang on, I'm trying to be fair. Sure. Uh, baji, you gotta mute, because you're really odd. Steven was gonna say something really short, and then Aaron...
8: Yeah, um, yeah. I wanted to go, but before... Uh, no, baji wait. Started, want, wait, ask
4: wait, ask wait, wait. Steven, go ahead.
2: Uh... Nate, I, I appreciate, uh, what you said. Uh, it doesn't give me a litmus test though, because you have, I could have a Muslim that says S- I did what the Quran said and spiritually, it made me feel full like, or, or it, it, they could have the exact same claims as you using a different text and you, and I wouldn't have any more evidence or any less evidence from either person claiming that their text is by god and the other one isn't yeah, right you would
1: it's just a much longer discussion than we have
7: time. but steph gave right. you the answer that is the litmus test.
2: so yeah. the the quran has that has the exact same claims right
7: well, also well, no, hold on sorry. i really want to
2: engage this it really, okay it really let's, doesn't
4: let's fast okay. track this it doesn't The Quran was written by a single person at a single time, and then it was copied and copied and copied and altered and copied and edited and copied and burned and copied again, right? So we don't have – the Quran cannot make the same claims. What we could say about the Quran is that it was written by one person who's claiming divine inspiration Mm -hmm. and then was added to – like commentary was added to it throughout a couple thousand years, and we arrive at where we are now with the Quran, right? It is not Mm -hmm. at all – the same thing as having two documents written in two languages by two separate cultures, 2,000 years apart that completely agree with
2: each other. Okay. So I, I just, just, just because something is divine, just because something is unlikely, right, because you think it's unlikely, does not mean it's right. Right. right? So
4: you, this is a specific answer to your specific question. You asked what it is. It, what is How do you it know it's the word of God? These documents. Right. So the unlikeliness of it, it's not just unlikely, Stephen, it's impossible, right? That we have countless well, happened, other writings.
2: So it is possible.
4: Right. Well, so Yes. And it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like, how did we have countless other writings across countless other ancient cultures? And none of them. We have the Epic of Gilgamesh. We have other creation stories. We have the Quran. We have this. We have that. We have all sorts of things that we can compare sure. this to. We mm-hmm. don't have anything else that corroborates itself. So what we have are people what we have are people outside of each other, completely separate, writing about similar and even the same things, getting things historically and archeologically correct that there's no physical way they could have understood. Like to put this in perspective, this is like someone in, you know, the the Middle East writing about ancient Native American cultures. Like that this is the level of impossibility that we have here, right? So once you dig into the history of the Bible, what it's saying, and when these things were written, you go, how on earth could this person have known that? How could this document have come together? And what you arrive at is I guess a bunch of people could have just guessed and gotten it right. Over the Mm -hmm. years, right, so you could arrive there, but the much more likely explanation is something strange has happened, and then you put in strange. So, like, I'm not giving you this argument to fully persuade you that the Bible is inerrant. That's a different process. That's more like what Nate is describing to you. What I'm telling you is what separates this documents from other documents, what is the litmus test that the Bible is worth paying attention to beyond just historical study, that's your answer. Okay.
5: I thank you. and, yeah,
0: well, thank you. Hang hang Nick, we can't hear you. You're very echoey. I don't. I don't know if you unplugged your mic or whatever, but that was very like, tin canny. Um now? But yeah, Stephen, I, I would love to, you know, continue this. I, I want to see what Bacha says. Maybe we're never going to talk about art, but uh, you know, they're also new, and I want to defer to new people. But I, I mean, so I, I definitely don't want to be insulting. Um, I, I almost never am. Almost never. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, take this in the, in the kind of spirit it's meant, um, you know, it seems like we're kind of arguing over a textbook without knowing what the textbook says. So I would say, you know, if you actually care, um, you know, brush up, like read the New Testament a little bit, because, you know, we we did have to kind of, you know, present Christianity like 101, how, you know, Jesus is not a created being like, you know, some of the very, very basic tenets that if someone would just read the New Testament, um, you know, they would get. Um, so I, I don't know, like if you... Are really interested i'd love to have this conversation especially when we have more time um but i think it would behoove us all if and again you don't have you don't have to believe it you should but you know you can at least have a proper understanding of how it's presented and then we can talk about those points you know ad nauseum if you like uh but but it, until you you even kind of have a handle of what the basic points of christianity are um i think we're, we're going to do lots of kind of what we've been doing which is like rubber banding back and forth to like you know the trinity to created beings to we're just kind of rubber banding all around and now we're talking about textual criticism of the quran which by the way a portion of it was eaten by a goat um so i i mean anyway yeah I, I don't mean to be insulting at all but i i think that would probably help and i have no idea your background maybe you've read the bible a thousand times um but i mean if you haven't or if it's been a long time um you know brush up on the new testament and and i mean we're here to answer questions i'd love to have this conversation but i do want to check in with Baha too um, oh, I had asked
7: to talk, Nate, and you said I would talk after Stephen, and I.
0: And you said what Steph said. Was that not what you wanted to say?
7: No, I was just reiterating that Stephen. That's not what I wanted to say. I was just. Okay, my Stephen foot is down, an
0: Aaron. Make make your last point, and oh, we will go straight to Baja.
7: No, it's because um, they had there had been a, a declaration here that, like God, just you know. A, created evil so that he could show his glory and I wanted to just uh, reiterate that God does not take pleasure in the evil things that happen because in him he is light and in him there is no darkness right and Ezekiel 33 11 says that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked so God is not happy that people decide to refuse him, right? He's not happy about that. Not one bit. And he wants everyone to come to knowledge and salvation. As we see in second Timothy verse, uh, chapter two, verse four, he desires everyone to be saved. And also second Peter chapter three, verse nine, he wants everyone to come to repentance. That's his desire. Now people have their, um, they have their freedom to choose or to refuse him. And as Jesus said in John 540, that those people there he was talking to, they refused to come to him. So he is giving everybody a chance, but people don't want it. So, uh, yeah, he's a good and loving God. I just want to put that out there. Yes, he is, he's also uh, just and perfect and consuming fire. But I want to put the the love part out there.
0: Thank you. Uh, Steph, are, is Steph on the phone or are you here? No, Steph? I'm here. Okay. For your art nerds. Uh, yeah. Aaron, the, the thing I really want to talk about, um, since Chris apparently has to leave um, stick around if you can. Um, but yeah, so I, I wanted to know specifically from Chris and Steph who are like, you know, art geeks um, there's been a couple things in the news recently. And I was wondering your takes on it because usually you have some pretty, uh, pretty provocative ideas and you're like, well, um, you know, you'll see good and stuff, right. Where people may say something is bad or in bad taste or, you know, something was done for, by a bad artist, but it pr- creates a beautiful imagery or something. You guys are both surprisingly um, kind of, kind of in favor of that, you know, like more, more lenient on that stuff. So I was wondering if we finally met your match and if I found something that you would not be so uh, carefree and lenient about um, Chris, are you also there? Mm-hmm. So the first one was quick. The fir- There's two things. The first one is not a big deal, um, but in Palm Springs, and you can Google this, the proposed AIDS Memorial to, um, you know, commemorate people from HIV, AIDS that have lost their lives and things like that. If you want to take a second and just Google that promos- proposed memorial, no, exactly. do you think do. there's some good in that memorial? Or do you think that's like, Man. I don't know. Do you think we're being trolled we're being cr- or what? Uh, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? So It's a yeah.
4: circular design with spokes coming out of it. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the problem with this?
0: It's you, an AIDS memorial you, and it looks like a you giant ball. said
1: <laughs> That's what the artist said it was.
2: <laughs> hold on
4: wait. I'm looking at it from the wrong view. <laughs> uh-huh. Wait, yeah. where so, is So I mean, this can sp- you find
0: some It's proposed for Palm Springs as an AIDS memorial. So, wait, yeah. They're
4: only showing the one side of it. Where's the other's? Oh, hold on.
0: Images. I was just wondering if you art stuff. If you artist types, find any redeeming qualities in that or no. I mean look. That's
1: just in poor taste. Well, and, and the th- look, conceptual art takes all forms and shapes. And what you have to do is what is the concept? This is why, you know, Duchamp's Fountain was groundbreaking. You know, why, what is the form? What does it mean? What is the concept behind it? And it seems like, and again, I, without having a conversation with the artist myself, it seems like from the press accounts and everything else, he's basically just trolling. And you know, is trolling good art? I'm not sure it is. I mean, it's kind of like the the girl at Yale who took a bunch of bloody sheets and hung them for her senior thesis, um, claiming that she had um, performed chemical abortions on herself. She was trolling. And you know, none of it was true. Um, was it good art? No. I mean, when we look at conceptual art, especially modern art, it is what is the concept behind it, and how does that form add to the concept? Would you say that's fair stuff?:
4: Absolutely. Uh, this is not good art. This is he- uh, this is heavy-handed. this is inflammatory. This is not clever. This is not visually interesting. This, this wouldn't meet the criteria of, you know, something worthy of lengthy discussion or something revolutionary in the art world. I mean, there's, there's always going to be a conversation around the shock factor. And so I guess (laughs) it's so gross. They have it lit from the bottom and one of the proposals, it's really gross. Um, I mean, it's not explicit enough. Like I had to have you guys say it before I saw it. So I guess fine. Uh, But it's heavy hand, you know, the heavy handedness of physical objects impacts how interesting it is. If something is this heavy-handed, it's like, that's not very interesting.
1: That would be... Right. So like, well, what, that is a very, what is it
3: again so I can look it up? What is the it butt.
0: Yeah. The proposed AIDS memorial for an um, anus. Palm Springs.
1: So, um, yeah, like Georgia O'Keeffe painting flowers as conceptual art. The reason that Georgia O'Keeffe's flowers were so jarring and thing to the conversation is because she was painting them in such a way as it wasn't obvious and it was adding to the conversation. Good art always adds to the conversation that appeared before it and is having a conversation with previous artists.
0: Like well that is very thoughtful and well rounded considering the topic. So would you say um, that this following topic adds to the conversation. A um, little political art. So I don't know if you're familiar, but did anyone see like uh Hell Zelensky, you know, President Zelensky or whatever, um, just wanted to offer ambassadorship to Marina Abramovich.
4: <laughs> really?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, I saw that yesterday. I was going to say
1: something to you.
0: So, have you guys, <laughs> in your artistic endeavors, did you like uncover anything about her, or did, did was that like a class? Because you know she's a pretty big person in the yeah. art world, I guess, I mean, for Satan. You know, I was um, in school
4: when she did the when she did the MoMA piece, the silent MoMA piece. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Actually, I have a lot of respect for her, but I don't know anything about her personal life.
0: You have a lot of respect for her like in the way you'd res- like you respect Satan as a, like in the way you would respect Satan as like a formidable foe but no, not like is, oh, I respect you bro a,
1: She is a provocative performance artist. Right. Yeah. You know like Chris Burden um, you know or someone you know like Yoko Ono for instance like those guys are provocative performance artists and they're attempting to add to the conversation.
0: Um, wow okay i'm shocked i i thought you would be way more kind for the butt art than than mm. this chick so do you think is i mean yeah. wh- wait okay would you have respect for like the, the piss christ guy like the guy like do you have well, respect for minute. that guy because it's adding to the conversation
4: so the importance the, it's not necessarily <laughs> just adding to the conversation it's her entire repertoire of work right marina abramovich is a is an impressive artist she has sparked important conversations in the art world and she has established her place in art history. Right. That's a different conversation. That's not like some dude on the internet who does X, Y, and Z. But, I right?
0: did not see this coming. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Theologically then, do you think she's <laughs> just like getting a rise? Like the pea the price guy that like, you know, peed in a gallon of whatever with the crucifix to like show how edgy and cutting, cutting edge he is, you know, while also being, I guess, tolerant and accepting of everyone's religion, but drowning across in pee? Um. So, I mean, you may say, I I don't know, what do you say? Like is he stunning and brave or is that like a bridge too far? Like is he just Who is that guy?
4: Who cares? Like that okay, so Marina
1: No, it was it was in the MoMA. let me look this up. It's called Piss Christ. Oh no, are we
7: gonna put art art appreciation above scripture when it comes to art? Because
4: the answer to that, Mm. right? Is that people like Chris and I have art as a profession. So it's not necessarily above, it's next to. This is like Chris and I vote the same way, right? Like um, scripture uh, and tradition. (laughs) No, no. It's like when Chris and I are considering who should be a candidate for the president of the United States of America, Christianity is like a factor, but not the most important factor. Chris and I are both going to vote for who's going to get the job done well, not who's the most biblical Christian, right? Now, that's because our philosophy tends to be that we would separate the civic duty from the darn it, Nick left. And I have been waiting, waiting to yell. Oh, he's back. Okay, good. All right. I'll get back there. All right. So you're separating a certain, like so when you have a profession, you separate it from your personal life. This doesn't mean that Christ should be absent from art. And it doesn't mean that, you know, one is above the, like, of course, the most important thing I would, I would forsake art in favor of Christianity. Fortunately, God gave us a life on this earth that's complex and rich and full of all sorts of things to think about and talk about and look at Marina Abramovich, like appreciating her place in art history is not neglecting my Christianity. She has sparked important conversations that could go one way or the other. Like we talked about her a lot at school and I was given the opportunity to give the gospel based on conversations about her,
0: okay, which well, here's an might not appreciate, so, but that's but, well, well, here's an important conversation. So does she or does she not, you know, actually worship atheistic Satan? So, like, Are you stopping? It's not important. Are you, for me it is, um, who are you? Art, art is in the eye of the beholder or some crap like that. Like it's important to me. So like, do you and Chris stop with, oh, she's just an edgy provocateur? Or do you think, no, like she does enough like ritualistic stuff that she probably actually is a Satanist and it's like performance art um you know for so she can be like cool in all the atheist circles you're like you don't really believe in satan do you and she's like no no it's performance art but it seems like she does enough like weird ritual stuff that i think without like personally knowing her she probably is a satanist or probably you know believes in a thing right, as as satan and that makes quick. me just want nothing to do with that thing at all like yeah
4: that's fine chris i want to answer this quick and then i'm going to toss it to you Who cares? Andrew Wyeth raped his neighbor and then he painted like beautiful pictures of her and went down in our history as being like a phenomenal revolutionary painter of like his rape victim. But we all hang Andrew Wyeth in our house because they're beautiful paintings. I don't. Painters, right? I don't. No, okay. No one up d- Fine. The point is <laughs> like my grandma has I a bunch wouldn't. of Andrew Wyeth. All right. The point is, okay. We separate, like when it comes to art, they're producing a product like, do you guys get upset that every time you swipe your Visa, the company Visa is contributing to like abortions and donating to it? You can only go so far down this road before you start driving yourself insane. You could just stop using your Visa card, and then that would that would solve that problem. You're no. I longer don't use contributing... a Visa card. Yeah, fine. Mastercard does the same thing. They all whatever. Every and time that credit. you are out there in the world, <laughs> you're interacting in one way or another with this. Now, when it comes to art history, we are not like. Yeah, Marina Abramovich can worship Satan all she wants. That doesn't make her a bad artist. She's a good artist. These are two separate issues. I would say that based on her behavior, she's probably going to hell. I would love to evangelize
7: to Marina Abramovich.
4: That is separate from the product she's creating.
7: Okay. So can I give it, it a, seems to a, be... another point of view for this?
4: Wait, I want to know if yeah, Chris agrees I, with that or if Chris disagrees with it.
0: Chris is thinking that Pat Robertson's saying like demons may be attached to thrift store finds. While he disagrees with that, I would I would hope to think if there was a time that demons would attach themselves to something, it would be her blood paintings. Um, and I thing? don't. Uh, yeah. And I really do want to get no, to to because I said we we're going to right to her and I forgot. So I um, with, So Baja, record, Nate, I
1: just agree with Steph hundred
0: percent. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and, right? well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. I, I'm, Baja, we're going to come to you, but I I want Aaron to finish this up, but I I was just a little shocked, right? Like, you know, the art I have seen, I'm just like, it's just a bunch of like blood on stuff. And like, I don't know, I don't get it. So I don't know, maybe I touched a nerve with the art world, but I mean, would you like go to a gallery and just be like, you know, you can appreciate the painting from afar or I don't know, would that not like creep you out a little and be like, "Eh."
4: I wouldn't spend money on that. So this is the difference, right? I'm not going to go buy a ticket to see this Andre Serrano piss Christ photograph. I'm not. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. Thank you. Okay. Now that goes in my brain as part of the annals of art history. Like the way that we look at art history, if you're, if you're in this profession is you look at it the same way that you look at any other history. We're not making a statement about whether we think it's right or wrong that this African tribe overthrew this one. We're seeing that this happened and we're responding to it. That's the same thing. Yeah.
0: I will take that. All right, Aaron, uh, go ahead and finish this off. And then Baha, I promise we're coming right to you after Aaron speaks.
7: (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, I don't separate, uh, any part of my life when it comes to like being a Christian. And, and so I, I don't see swiping a visa card as the same thing as appreciating somebody who is, you know, putting out their Satanistic art. Because if you look at the symbology, it is very like a lot of the things that she puts out there are exactly what Satanism does. And so I could not possibly appreciate anything. This woman, you know, it's just like, if it's just so gross and I can't separate my Christianity from art. If an art work is uh, doing some kind of a, you know, apology towards the devil and even though she's trying to be provocative, whatever her intent is, the imagery itself and the objects, like the, all the dead bodies, uh, you know, piled on top of each other, all the, the anti-Christian stuff that she's doing, I, I could not possibly even appreciate an inkling of this woman until she repents. Okay. So what do you do instead? Oh. I have to be held to my promise Baha, well,
0: to you uh, yeah, I, 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 I side with Aaron on this, we'll come back after Baha I her question, she's been here like 40 minutes
8: Baha, well, what's up? Um, so um, I wanted to ask uh, Nate a question, but before I ask I wanted to clarify something You got something wrong um, About the hadith, you said that uh, A portion of the Quran was eaten by a goat. But what you miss is that that part of the hadith that says "a uh, uh, go eat the Quran" is actually weak. And about the question, it said that in Islam and in Buddhism, etc., like you have to pray and do rituals. But your God will never speak to you directly. But then it said that in Christianity, Jesus, uh, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will give in you and guide you. The question is, what makes Christianity more special, even if, uh, if the real God, uh, if, if. Uh, I'm sorry, if the real God won't speak to you, the real God, the Father, won't speak to you directly. You said that uh, the Holy Spirit will need uh, in you and guide you, but it won't speak to you. So what makes Christianity more special?
0: Did someone who got a little more of what was said yeah, I think so. want to answer first? So I didn't. We don't she said,
7: what makes Christianity more special um, mm. in that the part that like the Chris goat ate was was irrelevant or something. I I, I don't. Know. I I didn't get the whole thing. I was trying to.
0: I think Chris did. Chris, you were starting to speak. Did mm-hmm. you hear? So yeah, I think what she's trying to say is like, you know, God is not. Speaking. You're really quiet, by the way.
7: I am. Your audio yes. is super low. Oh. All
1: right. Hold on. Let me no, that's
0: up. better. That, that was better. Oh.
1: Well. Okay. I didn't change anything. Weird. Okay. So and and this is correct now. Yes. Okay, weird. Okay, so um, we don't separate the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son. We believe in a triune God. Um, God speaks to us through his word and he gives us the Holy Spirit to testify to us about sin and about the world. And so when we talk about how God speaks to us, he speaks to us through the revelation of his word. Um, that again, 60, you know, we have uh, 40 authors, 66 books, three continents, 1500 years um, of the scripture to tell us the direct revelation of God.
8: Yeah, I, I don't think you understand my question. I think it's my broken, I think it's because of my broken English. But what I asked is, Nate said that um, in Islam and in Buddhism, uh, your God won't speak to you directly but in Christianity Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will live in you and guide you but that doesn't mean that the real God the Father or even Jesus or even the Holy Spirit will speak to you directly so what makes Christianity more special if uh, your God won't speak to you too He
1: does
7: Yes He does speak to
1: us Well He doesn't speak audibly to us Okay, so we don't hear the voice of God okay but what we do have is we have God's word, his infallible, inerrant word that he did speak to us. Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, in times past, God spoke to us through the prophets. But now he has chosen to reveal himself through Jesus Christ. So that is the revelation of God.
8: I'm like, okay Before, uh, Baha, yeah.
7: the Holy Spirit would come over people right and he would even indwell people and when Jesus mm-hmm. went up he said uh, I'm going I am going but the the Father will send you another comforter another comforter which shows the distinction between the Father and the Holy Spirit which is the Holy Spirit Agi Numa and he will lead and direct you and guide you into all things right? And so the, the other Holy Spirit will now indwell us, right? It is, that's the new covenant. It's Christ in us, hope of glory, Colossians 127. So now that we have uh, repented, put our faith in the, the, in Jesus Christ, now the Holy Spirit can live in us, right? Whereas before the Holy Spirit would uh, inspire people and, and, and be around them. Now he can just live inside of us and he will uh, reveal things um, we will be able to understand even when we read the scripture we can understand things through the holy spirit that lives in us when we're reading scripture there are spiritual things that are only understood because the holy spirit lives in us that's why many people read scripture and don't understand the spiritual things because they don't have the holy spirit yet but once the holy spirit is comes to live within them they then start to understand Scripture a lot more because the Holy spirit hasn't dwelt them. So yes, you can, um, talk to God and God can speak to you, you know, in the sense that, you know, the sense that he will, he will uh, say things like prayer is not a one-sided street, right? You can talk to God and God will answer you, right? Uh, he will show you what to do when you don't know what to do.
8: You said is very problematic you don't realize it but basically what you're saying is that um I, i'm a muslim myself so before i convert uh if i want to convert i have to you know uh oh no 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 before i convert i don't know what I, I can't experience the spiritual experiences that you guys are talking about but if i convert then i'll have to then i'll be able to experience the spiritual experiences
5: that no, no, no. is problematic I because say, i want
8: to convert to christianity I, say, uh, before I understand it <laughs> No. But you missed the point. He, that is, he said that uh, Jesus, I mean, talked to you two times. Well, the spirit the whole does
6: work. The spirit was the already talking before. Before.
0: Wait, there's three people I mean, talking at once. There's three. There's three I people talking like right sure. now. Uh, Baha, you you cut out. For, you cut out for a minute, Baha.
6: One yeah, you cut out halfway through. Before a person is converted. She's got her mic. We yeah, know, before a person <laughs> converted, okay. the spirit does work in a person's heart and convince them of the truth of who Christ is and reveal Christ to them. Like, it's not that you get converted when you start believing. Hang on on a second. Baha,
0: Baha, you've got to to mute yourself. It's not letting me mute you, and you're very, very loud. When you're not speaking, you've got to mute. Uh, Yeah, the only option I have is to drop you to the audience, and I don't want to do that, but Clubhouse is not giving me the ability to mute you, so please just stay on mute when you're not talking because there's a lot of feedback. Uh, Nick, go ahead.
6: Yeah, I think she was thinking we were saying by that, that you have to enter the faith and believe in Christ. And then the Holy Spirit works. Then we can understand these things. And it is the Holy Spirit who is the one who reveals Christ to us through the word before we're ever converted. He starts revealing Christ, starts teaching us things, starts revealing the gospel, helping us understand. He enlightens us and um, helps us to understand the gospel. We repent and believe in that. And then, yeah, we're converted and we understand Scripture better and everything better. But even before conversion, there is some work of the Spirit where He is helping us to understand uh, the gospel, to know the truthfulness of it. The Bible says, Jesus says, when He goes away, the Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And He does that even in people who are not yet believers. He convicts them of sin, uh, of righteousness, and judgment. uh, And He gives the reasons why for that. But yeah, the Spirit does work. Uh, before a person is converted
7: yes i agree yeah, and, and i was just like, saying you well, can't
6: dwell yeah i agree she just looks well, like the, the bible says
7: like no one comes to the
0: you know no one comes to the father unless the spirit draws them so i think what you're looking for Baha, what would be helpful like in islam you submit right you submit to allah the same concept applies like if you're resistant if you're obstinate if you're at war with the bible with god with christianity um it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's no wonder. But it's when someone is humble, is sincere, is willing to submit to the creator of the universe, that's when a lot more things are going to make sense. And if someone is not willing to do that, then it's no wonder that they you know, they remain in whatever place they are in. Um, but it's when they are willing to express faith, submit, call on the name of Jesus, exercising faith that he could be the very creator of everything, and they put down those walls, That's when when, you know, people will say, where does Jesus say he's God? Where does Jesus say he's God? And Christians point out verse upon verse upon verse. And they say, no, he doesn't say he's God in perfect English. He doesn't say he's God. Whenever you submit to God and exercise a little bit of faith, things like that, like, you know, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Um, So whenever and he says, you know, some of these things are hidden, like God actually hides some of these things from some people, yet he chooses it to reveal them to people who have like an innocent childlike faith. So if that's you, that's when all of a sudden you read the Bible and you're like, I don't see anywhere where Jesus says he's God. And you submit to God, you are humble and you're sincere and you're honest in your inquiry. And then all of a sudden you just start seeing places upon places where you're like, oh my, I see where Jesus is God all through this. How did I not previously know that? Because you've been fighting it. Um, Anyway, that's the answer. So you don't have to believe it. You should, but that's at least the proper understanding of it. Um. But how would you like
8: to say anything else? Yeah, um, I understand it, though. I do not agree with that. I'm not involved with Christianity, I just want to understand it. You know, you said that um, the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal to you things uh, sometimes, it refers to innocent people like kingdom, blah, 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 But that doesn't make sense because then you believe that uh, in the afterlife, I wouldn't get in hell because I didn't worship your God but your God is the one that decided not to show things, you know? But to get to the original topic, I was asking you a question because you said that um, uh, our God guides and uh, the Holy Spirit gives to you. But that doesn't translate him to uh, to directly talking to you. And I think Aaron said that um, Jesus, alayhi salam, before he left, when he came uh, as a human, he manifested himself as a human, he talked to us, but... That is 2,000 years ago. It's literally the same thing. The Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to us, and Jesus alayhi salam, 2,000 years ago, he talked to you. So let's just agree that uh, no God actually directly talks to you, unless it's like some fake religion that's fake. And no actual religion, religion's God, directly talks to you in this time.
6: Well, no, we believe no, the no, Bible I is can... living, is a living word. And the Holy Spirit makes that yeah. word alive to where it is God speaking to you just as real today, as he spoke two thousand years ago, Like it is a living word, and you you you'll see that you read the Quran, you read the Bible, it's like light and day. I'm sorry, but the Quran is a jumbled up, garbled up mess. Like it, it reads nothing majestic about it, nothing uh, poetic about it. It's nothing like Scripture. Like you read something like the Psalms or even Paul's New Testament epistles, it's like light and day, uh, night and day. I mean, you 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 have to see something of. I believe divine origin in scripture. If you just
0: and I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with what you said at all, like you know, how what, what you were talking about, like you, on paper and stuff like that. Like, no, it's it would be like denying my arms exist. And by the way, I have two arms. So, I mean, to deny like this, this spiritual realization that Jesus is real, he rose from the dead, he is ever existing, ever present. Um, like Chris said, you know, he doesn't say, Hey, how are you today? in an audible voice thundering from my, from like a, a living room or something. But I mean, like, you know, spiritually speaking, absolutely. Like, God is there. The Holy Spirit is there leading and guiding. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, the only way to get this is, well, repent, believe the gospel, and I think you'll see it too. Um, So, I mean, you know, you said you disagree, and, you know, we can agree to disagree. You shouldn't, but you can. Um, And I'm sure you'd say the same thing for me. I'm sure if you said I did the five pillars or whatever, then, you know, whatever you believe would start making sense to me. But, you know, I'm confident enough in what I believe. I just can't deny it. Um, it would, it would be like trying to brainwash myself to do that. Um, Steph, I I know you were deeply traumatized when I, when I took the conversation away from art, I know there's one more point you wanted to make, but I had been promising Baha to to speak. Um, so if you'd like to revisit that and and finish that up, the, the topic I really want to put on, um, will follow. So would you, you ask Aaron, what would you, um,
6: remember Nick has got to go right now. So if you had a question, I don't even really have time to stand here to talk about anything. I'm finna to go.
0: It's good to see you, Nick. Was Nick gonna ask what you a the question. heck?
6: Well, no, it, it's, uh, yeah. That's my I'll, question.
4: I'll... What the heck?
6: Okay. The rest of us well, need a bit. Uh, you know, if, if I, if I was doing that in here, I'd get kicked too.
4: You would not. What are you talking about. Here's the thing. I don't, there are like two people that I will kick from this room. There is never an instance under which you would disagree with someone in here and be removed from the room.
6: No, it it was not disagreement. Me and Erin disagreed, and she stayed in the room the whole time. It was like you were kind of taken over and tell me that I believe things and that my beliefs led to things that do not logically follow, and that I categorically condemn. And that, that hyper Calvinism, like I, it is a thing, and it does have beliefs. Uh, that are different to Calvinism. And, and like I said, I, I go to a reformed church. We even had a conference against hyper-Calvinism and the dangers of hyper-Calvinism where our missionaries and our church plants came and we taught against it because we don't want that. But yeah, I, I can see how people can think it logically leads to certain conclusions that I, I don't think necessarily follow when you balance it out with God's use of means and bringing about his uh in and...
4: Okay fine. Uh you had a room titled What Does Calvinism Teach? And then you removed me for having the conversation. You you didn't understand what irresistible grace was. Chris would have had the same contention. I didn't tell you anything about what I thought about Calvinism. That I didn't I didn't put forth my opinion one time in that room. I said I was pushing you on your understanding of irresistible grace.
6: What would okay redo that? we don't need to it,
4: rehash it, right? like we uh, this isn't a room about Calvinism. The point is that now I'm responding to you removing me from the room, saying, bro, that was not cool. Don't do that again
6: well it it was more than just disagreement. You know that I was talking and you you weren't letting me speak at all,
4: no. If you go back to the replay I, I was in the middle of asking you about what irresistible grace was and when I was asking you cut me off 3 separate times and then you removed me while I wasn't talking. That's what the re- the replay will show that that's what happened.
6: No, there were there were a lot of different things we touched that you touched. You were saying things like why evangelize and and different things like that and Yes, Nick, yeah, I asked you
4: with your understanding of irresistible grace, why do you evangelize? You couldn't yeah, exactly, answer you removed exactly me. Yeah. I didn't tell you what I thought. I was asking you a question. Look, the point is, you got to tread a little more carefully on Clubhouse Man.
0: Like, don't, that's I not a like good question. I would like to look. propose do a that. truce. I would like to propose a truce. Steph is mad that you removed her. Um, Nick, since you have to go anyways, would it be fine if Steph takes out her vengeance and removes you from this room and then
1: we're all happy?
4: Be- no, I don't do remove people. That's the point. Like, that's how you kill
0: you, you just, anyway. You just don't silence them
1: on Discord for 24 hours. Yes. Okay,
0: okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, okay. okay. Let, me take, me. I, let me take my room back. <laughs> okay, so no one else is talking about anything else. All right, here's the next topic. All right, so Aaron and Marquise had to laugh, uh, leave. I was really wanting him. Uh, so, Aaron, I would be curious your take first and then Steph and whoever just wants to pile on.
6: Hey, there's okay. the guy at the there bottom is. that says he has his hand raised. He, N O S A. He's at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, we well, see it.
0: There are three people. I know their there's hand there's raised, like a thousand people I that don't. want to talk today. Yeah, like like just, and Nosa will, like Nosa if you if you hang out a while, like I'm happy to bring you up. But the uh, the day I I've actually got like five things to talk about today, and like everyone all of a sudden wants to be chatty. So I don't know what's happening. Like if I just come prepared every day, then it, it, anyways. So Nosa, stick around. If we get a minute, we'll bring you up. But I really just for want to the hear,
4: record. I don't Nate. I have stopped bringing people up just just so everyone knows that's Nate's job.
7: I don't do that so
0: I appreciate that. yeah, and I usually bring everyone up, but I really want to like hammer out these points. so this is just a discussion i I thought you know this is kind of coming from the other side of the coin, so I would be curious what some of the female people think because usually talking about separation and not even divorce, but just like separation for a time or something like that it, it's always like. You know, the man is abusive. The man is doing this. The the woman is, you know, perfect, and the man is doing bad stuff. And you know, what what's the woman's position on divorce and separation? If he's abusive, should you be safe? Well, this question was asked uh, the other day, and I I actually have like I intentionally haven't really tried to think about it that much because I wanted to keep an open mind. But okay, if the like everyone here, as far as I know, the Christians probably share a similar similar view, right? Like, you know, you shouldn't get divorced except for like adultery or like, you know, abandonment and death and that frees you and stuff like that. So I think we all have pretty much the same understanding as, as far as biblical marriage goes. Um, um, and, and, and if you're going to throw a monkey wrench, just hold on. <laughs> so the point is, um, I think we also subscribe the man is supposed to be the spiritual, the head of the household and the spiritual leader of that house. Okay, so the question was asked um, by a man who says his wife, I, I this may be a contention. I'm not sure if he said she was a, a Christian or not, or if she was a Christian. She was very not Christian in this regard. So I don't know if Christian, non-Christian will weigh your view, so give us both answers. But the, this man asked a question and said, you know, he's trying to be a spiritual house, household leader and all this other stuff, but uh, his wife is like, constantly like disrespectful because I guess they have um, some marital problems or whatever. And she's like, uh, you know, very, very like trying to grab that role of head of house. And she's just very kind of disrespectful in her approach. So my question is, and, and, you know, take leeway as much as you need. So if it's just like, Hey, I hate your face. And then everything else is fine. Maybe that would be one way. If it's just like constant, like dribbling, like snide derision and disrespect to a point that the marriage cannot function. Um, that may weigh it again. So, you know, you have a lot of leeway leeway to play with your opinions here. Um, So if the spirit, the man is supposed to be the spiritual head of the household and his wife is like constantly derisive, not submitting in that role and is like disrespectful, what would your godly advice be? Would it be like the man just suck it up, do the best you can, plow forward. um, And if she's just like disrespectful and unrelenting, just deal with it. Or would there be a time Um, you know, like women would do in like an abuse situation where it's like, well, no, you can't let yourself be abused, like, you know, separate, like, you know, don't divorce, just separate and get away from there, get safe. Um, Would you ever encourage like a man to say, you know what, Um, this is ungodly. This is not right. This is not the spiritual plan God laid out for our marriage. So I'm going to have to separate from you for a while and see if that, you know, see if we can work through this. That's the convoluted scenario. No. What do you think, Aaron? First,
1: Oh, I was okay. just going to say, get pastoral counseling, and that's my only two cents. Yeah. Um.
7: So when it comes to divorce, right? Well, you not can divorce. Divorce. What?
0: Well, well, this this scenario is: Would you ever like separate? Like, would like basically, if if you have a wife who is well, not um, who, well, who's not oh, you like
7: mean separate without divorce?
0: Yeah. Like, I'm going to live at my mom's house for a month while you know, hopefully, you work on your spiritual well-being.
7: Well, you know, as the head of the household, right? that he is he should be submitting to Christ, right? And and she should be submitting to him under certain biblical guidelines, of course. And I'm sure all of us believe the same thing. Like if if a female is is uh, physically abusing you, right? Then uh what the Bible says is that you can divorce, but you can't remarry unless there's uh, adultery, right? That's what Jesus said. So if you want to divorce her, just know that you're going to have to sit there, sit tight, because while she's still alive in the new covenant, it literally says that you can't remarry unless she has committed adultery, And then you're free from her if she commits adultery, which adultery biblical standards is not while you're married. Um, So, um, and when I say that, I mean, let's say that she doesn't commit adultery while she's with you, but she decides to leave. So you're asking me specifically for this guy or for every person? Like, I I don't know exactly what you're at. You're asking me for this guy, right?
0: Almost none of this is the scenario. No, it, it's okay, no adultery, so no, no, yeah, it, it's no, no adultery, nothing like that. Like basically, the scenario is this guy is trying to be the spiritual household uh, leader and lead his family, you know, right. But this woman, and by the way, Chris, uh, counseling was not an option. That was that was a point. Uh, he's like, she refuses counseling. So basically, she's just being obstinate and not submitting. Um, and you know, we don't know the whole side of the story, so it's not it, it's general terms because um, he could be doing it all wrong. But we're just assuming for the for the general scenario. I'm asking. A guy, to the best of his ability, is trying to follow biblical principles, the guideline for marriage, assume the role of spiritual head of house leader, and this wife, for whatever reason, um, maybe they've had past problems, it doesn't matter, she's just disrespectful. There's no, there's no physical abuse, she's not throwing pots and pans, she's just, like, disrespectful at every turn, and it's like, as a spiritual household, it's like, you know, you, you can't, you, know, you only have so many options. Like, you know, you can't, like, put her over your knee and, like, you know, like, spank her like you would a child. I mean, maybe in some cultures, they, well, in some cultures they do, oh, but no. I mean, you know, so, 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 so you wouldn't do, well, not Christians either. So, I mean, you know, you wouldn't do that. So it's like your options are just like suffer and let her be just disrespectful. Um, or what other option is there? It's like, well, I, I committed to, you know, being married, but this is not godly. You're like, you know, you're not letting me be the spiritual leader. Like my role is supposed to be as husband. So I either have to just like deal with a wife who is not willing to, to assume her godly role as marriage um, and just it won't stop the disrespect or I just have to separate. Like, is there ever a time you would pull out the big guns like that? Because that's a really big gun, but it's like, would you suffer through something you know is not biblical um, because, you know, the, the submittal roles of marriage? Or is there ever a time where you'd be like, the disrespect is not ending. This is not godly. This is not biblical. This is a bad example for my kids. This is a bad example for everyone. So I'm just going to like go all the way and be like, you know what? Um, I hate to do this, but I am separating from you. Uh, I don't know. Is so that helping? If she's,
7: any? if she's being disrespectful, right, um, he should go to God, submit to Christ and pray, right? And trust that God is going to do a work. Uh, if she's being disrespectful, he needs to ask God, how do I respond to this disrespect and pray and, and pray to God and trust that God is going to, um, do a work in her. Uh, I do believe that he should like, since she's not physically abusing him and yes, it, it is a disrespect, but I wouldn't say that easily like, because it is not God's perfect will for divorce, right? Jesus said that Moses gave the letter of divorce because of the hardening of the hearts. So I would say just keep praying and believing and trusting in faith that God is going to do a work in her and waiting for that to happen. And, uh, also, you know, I do believe that he, he himself, she doesn't want to go to counseling. He himself needs to find a biblical, a biblical Christian counselor to help them, right? Somebody who knows the scripture and what scripture says about divorce, because it is not God's will for divorce, right? That's not God's perfect will. But I understand that people have the freedom to do what they want. And and for the, the, when
0: Mm -hmm. I say separate, I don't mean divorce. I'm not using those synonymously. I mean, like, um, you know, like as, as like a, 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 not, not like a tactic, not like it's a game. But it's something to like shake things up, like really force the issue. Be like, look, this is serious. If you didn't think it was a big deal, I'm letting you know it is a big deal. This is how big a deal. So by separate, I don't mean divorce. Um, I mean like, you know, separate like, you know, it seemed like this guy was alluding to a time. But again, for this scenario, it would be like, look, I can't deal with this disrespect. I don't feel good about it in my spirit. Therefore, I'm pulling out the big guns. I'm separating, him from, separating from you for a time so you can work on yourself and you know etcetera etcetera and maybe we can repair the like marriage from a worldly and-
7: perspective because the bible says that if you stop it, you shouldn't deny each other uh sex because if you do deny each other sex then satan will well <clears throat> you're giving a place for satan to 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 get in between that situation so i would not counsel for separation i would counsel for more prayer and 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 more of faith and more like hold on to the Lord with all your strength and ask God for wisdom, because I don't believe that it is God's will to separate, you know, even if it's not a, you know, divorce, it's still okay. going against so the scriptures. Yeah.
0: Aaron says, stick with them. And by the way, like, uh, yeah, Steph, what do you think? And by the way, like, you know, it's, uh, it seems like sex was not sex was being withheld anyway. So, um, you know, I mean, you know, the, this couple will seem to be dealing with like, you know, it was a major issue. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly because I don't know the guy. I just saw it on a comment thread. But I mean, yeah, like I wouldn't say like him separating is like, you know, do the withholding sex, like sex is already being withheld. Um, but yes, yeah, what do you uh, what do you think?
4: Um, I'm driving. And so if I lose service, sometimes it'll continue playing the audio even after I stop talking. So if that happens, just mute me or move me. Okay, I'm not still talking. All right. um, yeah, no, uh, She has abandoned the merit. The hard part about this is that she is refusing counseling. She's not in prayer. You have one party who's in prayer. Is this like, and who was it, Elijah, who had to like marry the prostitute as a representation for Israel? Hosea. Okay, there you go. Is he being called to that sort of emotional martyrdom for the sake of Israel uh, so that he has to stay married to a prostitute who publicly mistreats him and this is like his his, you know, lot in life. I don't know. Uh, For most people, by far and away, I would say probably not. Um, She's abandoned the marriage for all intents and purposes. Uh, So, yes, I would say that he should move out. And I don't know how any children play into this, Um, but if she is not holding to her end of the marriage covenant, uh, this explicitly then it would have to be a very specific situation where I should stay that where I would say that guy should stay.
7: My, like, I I can tell you as, as, as hard as it is to to hold on, to hold on. I really believe that God can transform that situation and God can work, you know? And that's why, you know, people give up really quickly. And I'm not saying he is, I'm saying a lot of people in this world, they they give up really fast and it's painful and it's horrible, but hold on and wait to see what God can do because God is a God of the impossible.
4: Well, I'm I assuming that that's already been pursued, right? Like this is not the first course of action. The first course of action is extensive prayer, talking with the other person, praying over the other person, even when you don't feel like it, praying for reconciliation, holding fast. That, that's your first, second, third, and fourth course of action, right? That's the that's the treatment you'd seek first. If this man is at like he is not able to be the spiritual head of his household, he's being prevented from fulfilling his end of the contract, and she's not even trying to fulfill hers. Now we have a situation where it's like the first, second, third, and fourth line of treatment were rejected. And I'm not saying that God won't still work a miracle, but we don't. I don't think there are very specific situations where someone is expected to stay in abuse, right? Like Hosea. Otherwise, for the vast majority of humanity, I would say this is not this is not what he ought to be doing.
5: Uh, Edward, hey, 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 Nate. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in. uh, And and Solomon addresses this in the the Proverbs. Again, Solomon, wisest man that's ever lived. He says it's better for a man to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious woman. Better to dwell on a rooftop there than with go. a contentious w- woman. So he's calling for, unless, I don't think he's exaggerating, I think there's a, the reason it's better for a man to even go out to the wilderness. You know why? Because I think he has a better chances of survival. He can adapt to that environment. You cannot adapt to a contentious, any kind of person, any kind of abusive person, you cannot adapt to it. You can't. That's, That's why.
0: Yeah, like old old it. men are always like out on their like woodshed or whatever for like hours a day.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it's think like getting out of the house. yeah, I think there's something to be learned from what Solomon is saying. i it's a it's a very difficult situation. Um, and it's kind of like that's one thing to consider is what Solomon has to say about this maybe temporary you know separation, uh, but also anybody who's been in any kind of whether it's a marriage, abusive parents, narcissistic parents, brother. You can pray. I have prayed my brains out for loved ones. Prayed and prayed and prayed for years and years and years. And these people don't change. People who are, I, I wish they would. So it's not so simple. And these people can wreak havoc in my life. And I do not have the energy for people like that. It's different in a marriage relationship. I understand. But I wish, I wish God would respond. I, I, but sometimes it's just like, wow, this is torture. These are loved ones. I can't handle it. I think that's my two cents for now.
4: Well, Edvard, sometimes the answer from God is just no. You, this person is not going to change. So now how do you navigate that? Like, I am not going to answer your prayer to get relief from this abuse. You need to stay with me. Like, this is God's speaking. You need to stay with me, stay by me, keep your eyes on me, and I'm going to bring you through it, right? Or around it or away from it. Uh, but it's not that or... like God isn't answering. It's that sometimes the answer is no.
5: Oh, no, I agree. I agree. It's just that what I'm saying, these people that have not changed and they continue to be abusive, these people that continue. Oh, I'm sorry. You're in a matrix. What I'm saying is these people that have loved ones, these are people very close to me that continue to be abusive to me. They don't repent. I've asked them to see. I actually offered to pay one of these people $500 for each counselor they would see. I was so desperate to get outside help in our relationship. They refused. I offered to see if you saw I give 500 bucks. I was going to pay them to seek help. They would freeze it. In my mind, I just don't talk to them anymore. And I give them a chance every once in a while, every year. So I'll try to give them another chance. But yeah, I, know, I understand God doesn't have to answer my prayers and teaches me patience, but it's extremely painful, of course. These are very, very close to me, these people. And uh, also so this idea of
0: like, well, well yeah, and if you, know, you ever want to pay 500 bucks for me to go counseling, I'll totally do it. Um, not to make money, but I mean, you know, it's 500 bucks. Um, but also the idea of separation would, I mean, would be this person, not like separating, like I'm done with you. It would be separating like, you know, this is important. Like, it's kind of like the, you know, Corinthians, right? Like turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their souls. So when they're in, they might be saved. It would be like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, pull out the big guns. I'm separating. I'm out. That's how big of a deal this is with the hope that they would be like, oh my gosh, I have been wrong. This is serious. We do need to work through this. And then come back and be like, "Hey, okay, you know, I see this as a big deal. Um, I was wrong. I need to change some stuff. Let's let's do the biblical blueprint for marriage. Like that would that would be it this could guy? Backfire
7: 10, though. 10. The person could be, yeah, it could backfire. That 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 uh, thing. And what I'm saying is, like, because God hates divorce, right? And 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 because Jesus said that except for. Uh, Parnea is the original uh, Greek. You can't, you can't remarry. Right. So he's, he's going to, does he want to be alone? And like, he, he can't be the one to initiate the separation. And how long is this for a month? Like, what is he doing for a month? Like, you know, I honestly believe that if he uh, seeks the Lord uh, and she's still not changing, she's still not changing. Well, ask the Lord For revelation, why is she like this? Because God can show you like things about why she like that, like spiritually battle against whatever, because, you know, this is how I believe spiritually battle against the demonic forces that are making things worse in the marriage. And, you know, an anoint, anoint while she's sleeping, pray over her. And anoint her with oil, you know, like not while she's sleeping, anoint her with oil, but you can pray over her when she wants to be anointed with oil, like, like pray over the whole household, like do spiritual battle for your house. Like, I I don't believe in that, that divorce is, or even separation. I believe that if he clings to God through this, God will give him the wisdom to know how to respond to that disrespect also, you
5: know? But Aaron, what are your, I'm sorry, what are your thoughts on what Solomon says though? Solomon. Solomon says it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious woman. What yeah, but Solomon what do you doesn't say, therefore,
7: you can divorce. I'm not, not talking about said.
5: divorce. We're not talking. Nate had clarified this. He's not talking about the, I'm sorry, Aaron, let me calm down. Solomon, Nate was not talking about divorce. And he, he clarified that. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about some kind of separation. What are your thoughts on what Solomon was saying? It's better for a man to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious woman. He's calling for separation. Yeah, it is better. Do you agree with that? Because nagging women are nasty. Okay, so you're saying, do you believe that Solomon is saying there's a place for some kind of separation, whether it's, we don't know, a, a week, a month? What do you think Solomon is getting? Again, he's one of the wisest men that ever lived. And he, he said justice multiple times. It's not just one passage. He, and he had five, what did he have, like 700 wives? He's pretty experienced. <laughs> So what, do you, what are your thoughts on? Do you think Solomon? But I know you Solomon divorced that this, woman. That's I'm not talking. We're not Darren. We're not talking about the. I don't understand why you keep bringing about divorce. We're not because talking
7: separation about is the first step for divorce. That's, like not, so, that's to, not. the same
5: as divorce. It's a temporary separation. That's not. I don't understand why you you keep bringing that up. Like so. So we've got, yeah. we've got
0: we've got we've got Aaron side. Which is, you know, stay with them, deal with it. We've got Steph's side, which is get out. And we've got Edrund, who's parsing through this somewhere in the middle, kind of like myself. And um, let's, by the way, don't don't bring that in in an argument. Don't bring up that thing about the nagging woman and tin roof. That's not going to go your way. Ask me how I know. Um, Anyway, so um, let's check in with our wide sage Todd real fast and uh, get get some new voices in.
5: Okay, but I'm Todd. just curious what people's thoughts on Solomon
0: is. That's the one guy he dresses it. I just wanted like, to... Wait, wait, okay, wait stop, uh, stop, I'm stop, done, stop, 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 stop. We're going to Todd. Todd, your wife is disrespectful to you, will not um, let you assume your biblical role as head of husband. Um, do you just, for the rest of your life, deal with her disrespect, just like every single time you, you talk to her, you interact with her? It's just huffy, puffy, you suck, I hate you, disrespect, disrespect. Um, and you just deal with that and consider that your cross to bear or would you consider like, you know what, at a certain time, I, I, I have to be allowed to, to be the spiritual head of the house. And if you're preventing me from doing that, then for whatever reason, I'm going to do a self-imposed exile and separate for a time to show you the gravity of this. What does Todd do? Oh, Todd, come on. That was such a, that was such a softball just lobbed your way. Hit that mic and start talking to us.
4: He might be working. It's not his fault.
0: Okay. Well, Chris, same question to you.
1: Repeat the question.
0: Uh, Your wife is is disrespectful constantly, not allowing you to assume your biblical uh, head of household status, you know, spiritual head of your family. She's just disrespectful in front of you, your kids, like setting a terrible example. Um, Do you just say, okay, I'll, I'll live the most godly life I can. That's my cross to bear. If she wants to be disrespectful, that's on her. That's not between. That's between her and God. That's not between me and anything like that. I'll, I'll be the best Christian-loving spouse I can, given the circumstances. Um, or would you think, no, this is a, a this is not biblical. This is not the way marriage is supposed to go. This is setting a bad example for my kids. Um, I'm going to separate for a while to show her the gravity of the situation, and uh, you know, to hopefully force a change. So, do you separation.
1: Separation is dumb and should never be done. Um, and the man should seek biblical counseling with his pastor. If his wife is a Christian, then she would have to go to biblical counseling. Um, if she is a member of the church and refuses to go, then she would undergo church discipline to have her removed from the church and then be treated as an unbeliever. And then she would be considered an unbelieving wife. At okay, that so, point, okay, then... Whatever she does, if she leaves or stays, that's up to her. But the man's responsibility is to stay.
0: Okay. So let's just say that all of the things you've mentioned have been done and rejected and the church considers her an unbeliever. Um, so now the man will just grin and bear it um, for the rest of the marriage as long as, you know, she's like, I'm not going nowhere. This is my house. You can't get me out. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to stay here forever. Yeah. Um, and she's then like, and he so prays the man for just,
1: her salvation.
0: And just grins and I
7: agree it.
1: with what Chris Correct. said I'm,
0: Okay, you Wow, a work has been done here today Chris and Aaron are sabbatical. I'm
7: biblical, man I, I If the Bible says it, I'm not gonna Reject it. it I know that the world says separation Is different from divorce But the Bible does not Make that distinction I don't stick worldly thought When it comes to especially things That are this important You know that's what the Bible says. And so you just have to grin and bear it and trust the Lord. That's where faith comes in. And I, yeah. I mean, it's horrible, but it is what it is. Now, if it's she's like- hitting him, if she's hitting him, he can, let's say separate. Uh, however, he can't remarry because he's the one who initiated the, 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 the separation quote, you know, yeah separation divorce right quick
0: quick quick question then i have another thing for you and someone we used to know um interesting news about them but um before that um so what do you think about um because i agree right like the bible's very clear like you know even on places where divorce is applicable um that doesn't automatically give you license to remarry so then what would you say for all the christians who do get divorced even for a non biblical reason, they're just like, Yeah, I don't like their face. I got divorced. And then they do remarry. Would you say that, um, you know, for all time, like God doesn't acknowledge that and you're like living in unrepentant sin? Or, well, technically that was a, a sin to, you know, to get divorced and then remarry because it wasn't biblical grounds for it. So it was a sin. But that's just like any other sin. You know, you, you um, ask forgiveness and you move on. So now you stay married to that person. What, what are your guys' thoughts on that?
7: So like is it an ongoing persistent
0: you, sin yeah, yeah. Is, it's like getting getting divorced and remarried for unbiblical grounds is that like so, persistent ongoing sin or is that one sin and you're forgiven and then it's fine just stay married
7: okay so biblically I have to go by what Jesus and and the Bible says about this okay and I don't please don't stone me um biblically right? The only grounds for remarriage is adultery, right? So, but what is considered adultery in scripture? In scripture,
0: let me jump to it. It's unbiblical.
7: No, oh, wait, 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 wait. Let me let me finish explaining this name because this is a very touchy t- topic, and if I don't explain this, it's mm. people are not going to get it. Biblically, if let's say you are grinning and bearing it as I, you know, I just said, grin and not grin and bear, but like pray, trust, pray, trust. And let's say the person, the, the contentious wife finally decides to, Hey, can you give me a divorce? Can I leave? Um, if she initiates the divorce and she goes away, right. And she goes and remarries another guy biblically, even though she didn't commit adultery during the marriage, biblically, according to Jesus' words in the book of Matthew, she is committing adultery by remarrying because she is still bound to her husband, whether she likes it or not, by the biblical standard. So when she remarries, she just committed, even though through the world's eyes, you would say, no, she didn't commit adultery. She she divorced before she went and married another guy. But through Jesus' speech, she, now that she's remarried, now that she, you know, or slept, or even if she doesn't remarry, she goes and sleeps with some other guy. Now she has committed adultery. Even after the separation, she goes, or divorce, she now is sleeping with someone else, even if she doesn't remarry. Right. Now he can remarry. Right. So
0: forgetting all of that, like, like the actual question is the person who's committing adultery, right? The person who, unbiblical, like there's no no discussion, all Christians say it's unbiblical, she should not get divorced. So this person. And then all the Christians that say, you know, it's adultery to remarry. So what you just said, the worst case scenario, right? So my question is, is it she committed adultery by remarrying, and that's repented of and forgiven? So now she can just stay married to that person because it's all good, it's forgiven sin? Or is she now and forever actively committing adultery continuously so— she cannot be forgiven or repent of that sin, you know, because it's it's ongoing. That that's the question. So, like if you get remarried and it's committing adultery, is it continuously committing adultery?
7: Was or she or is it
0: committed was adultery? She a
7: believer. Was she a believer when she divorced and remarried? Divorced for whatever reason, I don't like your face, and remarried, or was she a non-believer? Because if you go to the epistles of Paul it says whatever state you're in remain there, but that's talking about you're not a believer. And then you became a believer, right? So let's say you have been married six times and now you became a Christian. Uh, Now, what do you do? According to Paul, now that you have actually repented and you weren't a believer before, now you stay in the state you're in, according to the epistles of Paul. Now, in relation to, are you a believer? You shouldn't be. Yeah, it's it's a very complicated issue. Look, well, Chris, I,
0: what do you think? <laughs> Chris, uh, committed adultery or committing adultery? It doesn't matter.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I don't believe divorce is good at any point. So, you know. I don't know what else to say. I think we've beaten this horse dead, and then beaten the dead horse. No,
0: this is a new question, but no one's getting it. Like either, either you guys are terrible people, or I'm really bad, which is probably I'm really bad. No, like we're
7: terrible people, Nate. I'm I'm a horrible person.
0: Okay, Chris, blank slate. Forget all (laughs) conversation. Forget forget this entire day. Here is the question, Chris, and then Aaron. uh, I've, I've got some news that will lighten your day. Unless you already know it, then I'm just late to the party.
7: But I don't know it. Four, four
0: Christians, <laughs> okay. professing Christians, okay. who say, um, we just drifted apart, the love was not there, we got divorced. And all the uh-huh. Christians say, that was an unbiblical reason to get divorced, you should not have done that. And then, those, the Christian, let's just take the wife, because husbands always get the bad rap. The The professing Christian wife, who got an unbiblical divorce, then says... Oh, I've met the love of my life. And yes, we got married. Okay. So we would say that biblic- like, strictly biblically speaking, she should not have got divorced. If she did get re- divorced, she should not get remarried. However, she did get divorced and she did get remarried. So did she commit a sin that is now, you know, she's like, well, maybe it was bad. Maybe I shouldn't have got remarried. You know, so, you know, God, forgive me for that. I shouldn't have got remarried, um, you know. But I did, so, you know, is is she good now to go on forgiven with her life with her new husband, or yes. is that is that sullied, and it's like, well, no, you should not have got married, and since you did, you are actively in stubborn obstinance and sin against our Lord.
1: No, because divorces are final, that was not the meaning of the biblical passage, and so the meaning of the biblical passage that Jesus was talking about was a debate between the Pharisees and Sadducees about whether or not um, you could have no-fault divorce. And Jesus was speaking on the rabbinic issue of no-fault divorce. Um, once somebody is has been divorced, even if it is an, an ungodly divorce and they have been remarried, then you don't compound the problem by forcing another divorce. That's dumb. And so they have sinned by having an unbiblical divorce, but that sin is not compounded by the subsequent marriage.
0: And I get how you would see that, but I wasn't thinking that the solution would be, I mean, I guess it's logical, but I wasn't thinking the solution would be to now divorce that person. I was just saying, like, would you look at them as like living in sin no. Um, or no? Totally I mean, one of my best
1: go. friends has this exact thing going on. So like, you know, he and he and his wife, you know, now do they have a trouble free marriage? No, their marriage is rough. Okay. Because, you know, there was a bunch of unbiblical nonsense that went on before they got married. And, you know, there was two, there was two unbiblical divorces that happened. And so then those two got together and now it's just been a train wreck of a marriage, but they're toughing it out. Um, and these are high-achieving people, highly intelligent. The guy used to teach Bible study. Um, his wife is a, is a pediatric neuro-oncologist, so she's a dummy, right? So, I mean, you know, the, the whole thing is a mess. And God is comfortable living in the midst of the mess. Pediatric
4: Thank neuro-oncologist sounds like a horrific job.
1: That's what I said, and then she's like, no, it's the best job in the world, because without a doctor, the, the death rate is 100%. And I was like, yeah, and right. she goes, with okay. a doctor, I get to save some. It's kind of like Calvinism.
0: It's kind of like right. she plucks some out from the ocean floor. Oh, my.
1: Yes, indeed. Um, okay,
0: so good news. Before we have our third Holy Crusade, Aaron, do you remember Eve from Google Plus like 10 years ago?
7: Do I remember Eve? On Google+. Plus.
0: And we called her, like, Evil Angel ago. or Evil Eve. She was, like, very, very ardent atheist or anti-theist.
7: I remember an atheist who was very ardent, and she would go hard in, yeah.
0: Anyway, so, yeah, this Eve person, like, I just, I, I was, got one of the suggested friends people from, from Facebook, um, and it was actually G-Man. <laughs> Do you remember him?
7: Yes, I remember G-Man, for sure.
0: So, uh, he hadn't done anything in like twenty, like eighteen, but his profile was still there. So I'm like, "Oh man, I haven't seen him forever." So it's like, you know, looking around on his profile, see what he's been up to, and apparently nothing. But then it said suggested friends, and this E person was one of them. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, are they still around?" So I clicked, and they were like posting all this like Christiany stuff. I'm like, "What?" So I'm like, "Wow." So I reached out to him, and yeah, apparently they're a Christian now.
7: So I'm like, huh. "Wow, that's." That's amazing, man. That's like a miracle there, right? You know what I mean?
0: And now, wow. for a, and, and now for a little wonkiness, but hey, still probably fine. Um, I, I reached out. I'm like, hey, uh, I haven't talked to you in like ten years, but um, are you a Christian now? And she's like, yeah. And uh, she she's like, I'm still in a in a minority as far as Christians because, wait for it, um, she's like, well, flat Earth brought me back to Christianity because I realized the truth of. I guess flat earth and how God did
1: it. Why are you talking about Steph's best friend? Leave Steph's best friend.
4: I like uh, this person. (laughs)
0: And and, 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 um, so Steph can be her flat earth disciple or or the other way around. Anyway, and then I'm not super familiar with this, but I think Chris will be. So he says, uh, she says, flat earth brought her back. Um, Let's see. Um, It restored my trust in the scriptures. And she says she's an Axe-9 dispensationalist, though she does disagree on some things. Chris, what is an Axe-9 dispensationalist?
1: Axe-9? I don't know. I mean, I know about Axe-4 dispensationalists. Uh, Well, what's that?
0: Maybe it's close.
7: It, this is making me think that God can use a donkey just as he used a donkey in the old Testament to speak to Balaam
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, Jonah, Jonah was the most successful evangelist in the history of the, the, the redemption. And his sermon was 40 days until Nineveh is overturned. So literally it doesn't matter what we do or say anyway. So, um, huh. Acts 9, dispensationalist. There's a dude who runs around here named Mark, who's like this weird dispensationalist. And they have like this idea that there are two types of New Testament salvation, that there's one given to the Jews, and then there's one given to the Gentiles, and that one passed away and is no longer valid. And so then there's like, you know, one gospel again, but that there were two different gospels. I've heard that. I mean, that's complete nonsense, and it's really, really, really dumb. But it's I guess it's not more dumb than Flat Earth. So,
0: And she also, let's see, the last thing I got, um, maybe I'll have her in here one day if she will, and if you guys will play nice. Um, she says she holds to conditional immortality rather than eternal conscious torment view of hell.
1: Yeah, and, that's the Brian Dempsey.
0: Um, all these things put me into a minority position um, among Christians, but I share a unity of faith itself in regards to salvation.
1: Yeah. I mean, sure we can go with it, but like, I mean, yeah, Brian, Brian's on that, that train, conditional immortality train. I, I think it's nonsense. Um, I, I think what's the point, uh, you know what that means, right?
0: That means straight away. What, 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 tell me in a minute, but I mean, I would say, you know, I'm not going to make bones about that because as long as people are actually born again, then it doesn't matter the be of hell because they'll never experience it.
1: Yeah. But what, God, what God, is the conditional God, immortality
0: God. Or, or whatever?
1: Conditional immortality is that you are only um, brought to eternal life and there is no one brought to eternal death. So the. Uh, like so was like, yeah. So like people are tossed into hell but after a certain amount of time, they are then evaporated. It's like, like their soul no sentence. longer exists. Yeah. So their soul no longer exists after a certain, whatever, a million years, two
5: Nihilism. minutes,
6: like
3: yeah,
1: something.
3: It's incredibly
6: heretical. What? Why? That was
5: sad. Because
6: if... if if it's if the torment is going to end at some point, if you, all you have to do is bite the bullet for ten years, for a hundred years, for a hundred thousand years, for a million years, for a hundred thousand trillion years, then go ahead. A...
4: I don't want to be tormented for five minutes. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, that was just skip that.
1: What are you talking about? I've been tormented for the last forty-five minutes in this room. So. <laughs> I can do five
6: on standing on my head. This was a good trailer for the movie of uh, Eternal, Eternal Torment.
1: No joke.
4: I don't know. I'm less allergic to annihilationism than most people, but you know, that's because C.S. Lewis warmed me up to it, and I like the idea better.
7: I like the idea it's in there. my flesh, but it's not biblical.
1: Once Lewis again makes, I'm gonna uh, agree with Aaron. Cases. What are you doing, Steph? Everything is now me agreeing with Aaron.
4: Listen, <laughs> CS Lewis the and Lord to work
1: things so make
4: some compelling arguments.
1: Yeah. So I mean back. here's the thing. Maybe. I
4: don't I don't care. I don't have to worry about it. My salvation is assured. I don't have to be tormented for five minutes and eternity or five seconds. Like this is not gonna happen to me. Well, so
1: unless you want what clearly. I want. But you know. Maybe yeah, flat Earth will want, help your face.
4: right? Because I'm in control. Of that. No, flat Earth isn't.
7: <laughs> hey, Steph, have you seen my message on Telegram? Because I want to send no. you that the, the video.
4: I'll respond no? to it though. I'll res- No, I just have. So I have all of my notifications for all apps turned off. So it's like if you yeah. send me a message on
7: Discord
4: or to- I have
1: oh, to manually
7: check
4: these. Things.
1: So much more sense now.
7: Please go yeah. check it out because that way, once you check that out, I can send you the video of the guy railing the flat earthers, uh, which is hilarious. There's
4: a prerequisite? Okay, I better get off. <laughs> well, no, well, because I me. can't send it anywhere else because it?
7: it's, too, it's too heavy. The only place that'll get it is... T-
4: what about I mean, Wunkers? for the record, I'm not a flat earther. We all know this, right? I'm fascinated by yes, these
1: people. I
4: love them. Okay, all right.
1: We just have to make fun of <laughs> it. Sounded like that, Chris so. has something substantial
0: to say. What, Chris?
1: So, what about the article I just sent you about the Bethel pastor? Did you see it?
0: I, I saw it. I haven't read it yet. Do you want to paraphrase it? Was it about the music thing or something else?
1: No. Nah. Are we just
4: gonna keep ignoring Daniel, or is that like—is this oh, sorry.
1: Daniel?
4: Oh, no, no, I don't sorry. know. We just everyone, keep. Everyone, everyone, I just got to the to Georgia
1: fine. O'Keefe PTR.
4: No, Daniel has been here for like two hours. I don't know. I just thought I'd.
0: Okay, fine. So, okay, me, Daniel, Chris, make it good. Okay, so first of all, our pastor was also saying this week, uh, he was talking about like, you know, tell, you know, telling people about your faith and about Jesus. And man, I, I was really blown away. It's the one I play music at. It's not my, my main church, um, but it's this one I've been helping out. And it's just like a Baptist church, but man, it was just like the most straightforward, like gospel presentation. And I thought, you know, it, it was great. Anyways, I'm sure Chris, Chris would have appreciated it. Like no bells and whistles, just straightforward. I'm like, wow, that is great. That's what we should all be doing. And he's like, you know, if you guys feel uncomfortable telling people about Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, we should all do this. This is all something we should be doing. And I just thought, you know, usually I uh, I put like robocalls and telemarketers like to, uh, you know, to like voicemail or spam. I thought, you know, I think I'll just like be like, ha- uh, you know, would you like to buy an w- extended car warranty? Would you like to have eternal life in Jesus? So I'm kind of, I don't know. A personal note, I'm looking forward to the next telemarketer call I get. Um, Daniel, (laughs) what's up, Daniel? Thank you for your patience. We've all been chatty Cathy's today. Oh, and now he's not speaking either. Are you speaking? He's
4: gone. He waited two hours.
0: Wait, is he gone? It still shows he's there. No,
7: he's there. He's just not talking. I don't know if he's wanted to ask a question at all.
0: All right, Chris, Bethel pastor
1: thing. Sorry, I'm I'm also working. Okay, so let's see. Bethel Pastor says you can dictate what the devil does and what God does through prayer and prophecy.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's an easy one. I disagree. <laughs> I mean, but wait, I mean, I get... oh,
1: there's more. No, I'm just kidding. I have Acts nine dispensationalism. All right. I have what you this did. means. I, I, okay. Was I was she, I anywhere near correct or not?
0: I don't know. I haven't read it yet. I, I just messaged her, so this is what it means to her. Uh, I'm, I'm reading this the first time. Acts 9 dispensationalism believes that the body of Christ started with the Apostle Paul rather than at Pentecost. It's a position that recognizes audience relevancy and that the 12 were appointed to be judges over Israel and were ministers to Israel, not the body of Christ. It's important to make the distinction because Jesus' earthly ministry— Peter, James, John, Jude, Hebrews, Revelation are instructions for people and specifically Israel during the end times. While Paul's books are instructions to the new creature, the body of Christ for this age, uh, the body of Christ for this age of grace, not judgment. I don't oh, know what I just read. That's interesting.
7: Very confusing. Yeah, it's no, thank
1: not you. Interesting. It's a disgusting heresy.
0: Why? Can you explain
7: that? Like, I, I
1: Why? honestly, I, I don't,
0: I can't even process what I just read.
4: Okay, so she's so basically six the, New in the New Testament. Testament apply to like, she's saying there's a differentiation between agreements. So some letters apply to some to one group, and some letters apply to another. So Chris, yeah. explain. Yeah, what's the? Yeah, where well, where is the
0: problem? I mean, is, is whole that empire? similar to like Hagee? That's similar to like Hagee's thing, that's, right? Like that's...
1: the fact. But the even Hagee she... doesn't go that far. Like Hagee so, doesn't even go yeah.
0: that far. So it's like almost not worth putting Acts 9 dispensationalism. Like it's it's close enough to the same thing, but farther.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's wackadoodle. I mean, it's, so the problem with it, Steph, is like, you're basically saying that a bunch of the New Testament that we get instruction from like Galatians, um, you know, it doesn't apply to the church and it's just complete nonsense and it's and it i mean you can't even with a straight face make that argument because paul and the apostles preached the same gospel um and there's no way you can stretch the scripture to try to teach that you know that that the apostles were only for israel why was peter in galatia with paul when peter you know, gets rebuked by Paul, if he's just going to, you know, the, the children of Israel, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any logical or biblical sense. And it is strictly there to push an agenda that there are certain strictures of holiness that we do not have to abide by as Christians. So it's there basically to, to, also, to make sure that you can do whatever you want.
7: And also, if you look at the words of Jesus in Luke ten sixteen, he says, "He that heareth you, speaking to the disciples, he that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me." So basically, Jesus is saying, if you're, if people are do uh, despise uh the the disciples of jesus and what he's what the disciples of jesus are saying that the, they were the apostles also he's talking to the disciples here, so like he's talking to John to Peter the twelve like this was him speaking to his to the to the twelve so they went on to teach the word of God like if you despise what uh john what peter is saying then you're despising Jesus Himself and and the Father. So yeah.
4: But wait, the way she wrote it, it sounds like a an issue with church structure, nothing to do with the gospel or uh, yeah. No, no she's despising
7: certain ver- books, but she's just, she's p- saying these books are not applicable to me. Like right. you can't do that.
4: I'm not defending yeah, it. Mean, I'm just so, hearing about it now. I'm just trying to parse it out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah.
1: Know. So, so yeah, just look at, I mean... I sent you a follow-up, Chris, that she uh, sent. I texted What else did she say? Could you... I'm int- oh,
0: Yeah, I guess I can read it. And, and so I guess, um you know, I'm wondering, but I mean, I guess if she has the gospel correct, right? If she thinks she's one of the ones that the gospel applies for and that she's not under the, uh, you know, other covenant or something, I guess she herself would still be saved, right? Even if she has another view for other people in some world. Okay, so the other thing said is, let's see. First time I'm reading this. Paul was given mysteries from Christ, not ever before revealed to man. Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Ephesians 3, 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden, God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Colossians one twenty six. even the mystery which hath been hid from ages uh, and from generations is now made manifest to saint, Great sheep, King James only, too. So, yeah, that was the follow-up. Paul apparently was given mysteries from Christ not ever before revealed.
4: Hmm.
1: Um, Obvious. I think <laughs> right. I mean, Sorry, but she's saying so. that there's two different gospels, she's saying that there's a gospel for the Jews and a gospel for the Gentiles, which is nonsense, and it's not a true gospel.
0: So, would you, uh, would you say being as strictly accurate to keeping someone out of hell that if she still gets the gospel correct for herself because she's not a Jew, then she would be good? But she, you, you wouldn't want her telling the gospel to anyone else who is a Jewish person to be like, okay. no, no, that's or a gospel for anybody, me, not for thee.
1: As a different gospel, I mean, I would, I would be extremely skeptical if she truly was an actual Christian. It sounds like she's got a bunch of, you know, like a oneness Pentecostal or a Mormon. It sounds like she's got a bunch of cute doctrine, and she might know the right words, but I mean, nobody goes that deep into a cult like that, and you know. I mean I'd be hard pressed I would want to know a lot more I would want to have a several hour conversation with this lady
0: well don't atheists usually like jump into uh, is it atheists who become Christians usually go like hard Calvinism or is it the other way around like Calvinists usually become atheists I'm trying to say if it's, if it's one of the ways maybe we can give her to you and you can get your, you can get your claws into her and um, you know because at least Calvinism is still saved
1: yeah I mean, I don't really care what she thinks about secondary issues. I just if she has an issue with the gospel, that's something that we should definitely talk about and what is her issue with the gospel. If she's believing that there are multiple different methods of salvation, that literally goes against the words of Jesus so that would and and it would go against the words of Paul that you know literally says... You know, if anyone should come to you, even an angel with a different gospel, let them be damned. I mean, like, this is definitely, this would be, depending on what she means by some of this nonsense, it would be a different gospel.
0: Well, I don't know, because she followed up again. Like, this is the second time she reiterated it and says, but I still have a lot of disagreements with the dispensationalist. So I'm like, well, if you have, there's only so many disagreements you can have. So she's still, let me just ask. Gosh, I would bring her in here if I thought you guys wouldn't, like, tear to shreds.
4: <laughs> no one's going to tear it to shreds. Can someone real quick tell me what this truck in front of me is advertising?
7: We I mean, don't see the truck in front of you.
1: Yeah. You got a I don't PTR. Have a, I have a live video stream.
4: I just risked my life to take this picture.
1: Uh, devil's Lube?
4: What is this? What am I looking at?
1: Could be could be something for trucks. Like you if know, you love it, lube
7: it is what it says. So devil's lube.
1: I can't tell what the what the white figure is if that's like a piston or if that's like some kind of a truck part. I need seems to get like out the of the state. White, you know? Seems like the white thing would be like really key to determining what this lube is actually for. If this is for like. You know, car parts? Maybe it's legit? If it's for people, then that's just horrendous.
4: <laughs> okay. That's what I'm trying to parse out, but I wanted someone to do the mental work for me.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to do mental work right now between balancing ramen noodles in one hand and my wife's marshmallow peanut butter cookies in another hand.
7: Okay, so I I I screenshotted and made it large, it says that the lube is going into that hole called Belgray oil.
0: What are we talking about?
7: Uh, Steph's PTR. PTR. So the lube is is jumping into a hole called Belgray oil. Whatever that means.
0: Devils, if you've Oh, they just need to to take out that and put the uh, AIDS memorial up there in place for for the. Well,
4: that's what I (laughs) was thinking. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, looking at that, yeah, the picture that is not for like automobiles.
7: (laughs) That's okay.
0: Either that, or it's like a super race car, or like a drag race, or something.
4: The worst part is, I now just got to where I'm going, so I have to go. This mystery is going to remain unsolved.
7: I'm gonna change my PTR. So that I've that already Googled it, and I'm already yeah. on this on the site. It's called Belgrade Oil. Okay. Um, fast-acting lubricant, scientifically formulated, penetrating oil and rust. Don't jump. Penetrating oil and rust dissolver containing micron-sized particles of PTFE and moly.
1: Yeah. Learn more. This is yeah, this is a it's a penetrating oil. We use it in automotive stuff. I used it on old parts on my motorcycle. Not this particular brand, but I had to use penetrating oil to release a cylinder on a cylinder head. So yes, penetrating oil is a thing in the automotive industry.
7: Okay, I'm so glad that's a truck. They have aerosols. Fuel treatment, grease, hydraulic oil, motor oil, anti-seize gear, transmission oil. So basically, this is a marketing ploy so that we could go to his, this website and read it. Yeah. Well, it worked. Okay, I got to run. I'll see. Yeah, you it worked. Later. Thank
1: you. Yeah, please stop snapping pictures in your car while you're driving at 60 <laughs> miles an hour, crazy lady. <laughs> All right, Nate. I think we killed the room with the lube.
7: <laughs> All the detective work just to find out <laughs> that it's some kind of motor oil. Yeah. All
0: right, guys. Well, that was as fun as like herding kittens. Like, man, usually no one wants to talk. I thought I've got like five things I'll talk about. And then like everyone wants to talk. Anyways, uh, take care. Glad we had a productive day. And we'll uh, see you all later. Oh, and join the Discord server Mm -hmm. so you can keep tabs on us. Give you just a second to click that if anyone wants. No, so sorry we didn't get to you. If you show up tomorrow, you'll be the first one to talk. All right. Goodbye. Have an awesome Monday.